Looks like we're going to new Batcave is coming along nicely. The secret's out! Batman's coming to Kids WB, but you didn't hear it from me. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Did that sound distressed? You sound so distressed. Because uh, I am distressed, as always. I mean, I, I have anxiety, so I'm always distressed. But aside from Can that... Can I tell you why I'm distressed? Why? Because you've told me for like a week now, you were going to shave your beard and you still haven't. And every day, you're like, I swear, Molly, I'm doing it right now. And then... Should I do it live I on the see... podcast? It would just be a buzzing noise. I use an electric noise. It would probably be really annoying for everyone to hear. It wouldn't but... be as good as when Will Ferrell shaved Conan's beard We should put live on up TV. a picture of you like opposite Wilson style where like Ooh. we only see your mouth. Yeah. And then like we'll see it with the beard and then you could show them it without I it. should do that classic act where I shave half my face and I put on like drag makeup uh. and I do kind of half man, half woman. Has anyone done that? I guess this is a question. Has anyone done that sort of the reverse where a woman or person who yeah, like someone who wouldn't have a beard where they put on a beard? I'm sure. Like that has to have been a thing at some Probably. point. What if there's also like bearded women. Well, yes, there are women with so, beards. So like maybe some of them have. Yeah, but I I can't pretend this is my area of entertainment that I typically go to. I'll be real with you. I don't think I've ever seen that outside of a TV show referencing that kind of act where someone does the half and half. I've seen where like they have some people dress. like I think on like YouTube videos or something like I've that. I've never seen someone fun. genuinely present that as a form of entertainment. I feel like maybe in like the 1900s was that a thing? Dude, I have no idea. I don't know what it would be This feels for. like an 80s thing to me. Really? Yeah. You know what feels like an 80s thing to me? And this is just, I recently saw the film RoboCop, uh, which is rich with satire that's ripped from the headlines. It is tragically still relevant. I'm sorry I said it in that voice. It is still like un- upsettingly relevant what RoboCop has to say, but, <laughs> which is weird because it is called RoboCop, so you expect it to be the dumbest thing in the world, but it's it's got some pretty nuanced satire about corporations and how powerful people control law enforcement which is a sad thing to think about but that's you know that's the world anyway point is uh in in robocop um at one point he goes into a nightclub to find one of the criminals he's after and this is a very real thing about 80s movies no one who made an 80s movie was ever in a real nightclub of any kind because in 80s movies nightclubs are always just like lights and people with spiky hair and there's like mirrors and i listen all of those sound like the individual elements of a nightclub, right? Like, yeah, there's people with crazy hair and they're in wacky outfits and there's lots of flashing lights and there's strobes and then there's big mirrors on the ceiling or whatever. But somehow they just always get the concoction wrong and it never looks like it could be a real place. It always looks like – But have you been in a nightclub to really know that, Danny? I've never been in an 80s nightclub or a modern nightclub, but it just feels wrong. It feels like no one would have a fun time in these places that are portrayed in, in 80s movies. It's always just like sweaty people in knitted shirt, like you know those like fishnet shirts. Look, I'm just going to say it. I yeah. think you're actually describing reality. You think this is what a nightclub is? I, what fun could be had? Like, no one's doing – like, yes, there are movies where people are, like, doing drugs at a nightclub or getting drunk and then dancing. But, like, in the movie RoboCop, the nightclub has no tables. There is no bar visible. Nobody is drinking. It is just sweaty people. Actually, now that I'm describing it, it sounds pretty nice. A bunch of sweaty people grinding <laughs> against each other under a red light. Oh, yes. stop. What? It's yeah, RoboCop. In the voice. Bum, 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 no, bum, bum, you are bum. definitely describing a nightclub. No tables, yeah. no space, just sweat. You've got more experience in 80s nightclubs than I do? Not in the 80s. Modern nightclubs? I feel like the only nightclub- I nodded. I realize they can't yeah. see me nod. Yeah, they can't see you nod. 
it occurs to me that the only nightclub that I would ever enjoy going to, just given my personality and general demeanor and the fact that mm-hmm. I use the word demeanor, the general vibe I give off, the only nightclubs I would have enjoyed were the nightclubs at Pleasure Island in Disney that's World. That's what I was just going to say. Right? That's definitely yeah. the only one I would enjoy. They were... As though this is surprising to anyone yeah, at no. this point. People, anyone who's heard this or even just seen the cartoon drawings that vaguely resemble what we look like <laughs> would know. Yeah. That just from the look of our cartoons, we Us look like Us going in to walk into Pleasure Island, they'd yes. be like, yep, this is who this is they'd for. They'd be like, yeah, you're you're too dorky. Okay. Because the nightclubs at Pleasure Island got to be their own episode someday, but there was one called Mannequins where it was just a nightclub where you would dance and there were just mannequins all over the place. Okay. That would not be okay with me because I've seen that episode of The Twilight Zone. The Adventurer's Club. Okay. Real quick. Can I tell you, that is my least favorite Twilight Zone I've ever seen. With the mannequins? Are we talking about the same mannequin Twilight Zone? Because there might be two. I'm talking about the one where the woman is haunted by the living mannequins. And then at the end, did you get to the end of the episode? Yeah, but I don't know if I want to spoil this for everybody out there. Okay, well, I'm going to spoil an episode of Twilight Zone because I don't care. <gasps> okay, but like if you want to be surprised by a really creepy episode of Twilight Zone, don't listen I for don't like think it's 30 seconds. Yeah, if you don't want to be disappointed by the lamest twist in a Twilight Zone. Because the Twilight Zone is usually very well written for the time especially. But like this episode is a woman is haunted by mannequins. Right. And then at the end, correct me if I've misremembered, at the end they go, it's time for you to come back. <laughs> You're one of us. And then she goes... Dunkoff, I forgot I was a mannequin. Mea culpa, I'll go be a mannequin again. It's Jenny's turn to be a real girl. I'm going to be a mannequin again. What the heck? Why did she forget she was a mannequin? Because that's what happens when you spend so much time away. They get a lot, a decent amount of time to not be one. I'm just going to say it. I think that's a dumb twist. Okay, I, just I, don't thought, like it. I thought it was dumb the first time I saw it. And then I watched it very recently and I was like, oh, dang, you know, this one really got me. The last but time only I watched because it, yeah. the beginning whole part of it is really creepy and weird. Yeah. The last time I watched it, well, that to me is because the Twilight Zone – we talked about this recently. Like when you're talking about the Twilight Zone, usually it's like you uh, – some of them you could just tell someone the premise and then the twist and like they've kind of experienced what the episode yeah. has to offer. I think that's very true of the first episode of the Twilight Zone, the pilot. Um, at least it's the first episode when you try to watch it on streaming. It's the first episode. I don't know if it was the first one they filmed. It's like a guy and he's wandering a town and – When you watch it, you're clearly like, oh, this is the town from Back to the Future because (laughs) every movie for like 30 years just used that set on the Universal backlot. It's called – I don't remember what it's called at Universal. I just know it as Hill Valley. But it's like a town square. It's Hill Valley. Yeah. It looks like Hill Valley. Like you can see where the the clock tower would be and like you can – like in your mind, when I'm picturing it, I'm picturing it with all the accoutrements of Hill Valley, all Mm -hmm. the the signs that say welcome to Hill Valley, a nice place to live and all that stuff. But like in the episode, it's just like a blank street. Anyway, it's like a guy wandering around, but there's nobody here. And then you find out he was in a government simulation or whatever. And it's like that episode feels like kind of weak. And I could just tell you a guy is wandering around a ghost town. And then at the end, it turns out he was in a government simulation. That does it like that one doesn't do anything for me. But then there's like episodes that are worth watching, even if they've been spoiled for you. Some of them are just like really enjoyable. There's one where I don't know if you've ever seen this one. Have you seen the one with Santa Claus? You know, this is the thing about the Twilight Zone. I yeah. never remember if I've seen the episode until, until someone, tells someone tells me the twist, the and you're like, "Oh, well, yeah." Well, this one is worth watching. Again, this one is worth watching, even if you know the twist. I'll give you like the the weird science fiction premise: is that like it's a guy, and he's like a mall Santa, and he's kind of a drunk, and he's sad on Christmas Eve, and then he reaches into like his Santa bag that's like a prop, and he like actually has gifts in there for people, and uh. it's a very fuzzy memory I have of it, but I just remember it being very sweet. It's like he actually gets to help give people a Merry Christmas for once instead uh. of just dressing up like Santa. That's my memory of it. If I have gotten the summary of this Twilight Zone wrong, forgive me. Um, and let us know. Yeah, tell us about the Twilight Zone. No, okay. um, 
Okay, I'm sorry. But but all of this. What does uh, this have to do with RoboCop? What does this have to do with RoboCop? I don't know. Uh, satire, <laughs> satire of police and corporations and the government okay, being that's taken how you over started, by private though. I don't know what made you go talk about RoboCop. <sighs> um. Oh, nightclubs. Eighties nightclubs. No, um, you oh, were the Pleasure Island nightclubs. Real quick. Okay, go ahead. I want to go to the Adventurers Club, which is less of a nightclub and more of like an interactive show. I want to go to the weird Disney improv space, which apparently was kind of poached from some Second City improv exercises. I don't know about that, but it sounds like it would have happened. Uh, it just sounds like the Adventurers Club is really what I'm getting at. And the Jessica Rabbit store. Oh, my gosh. The fact – listen, I'm a huge Who Framed Roger Rabbit fan, and I love those characters, and I love that world, and I love how weird that movie is and how that movie just presents itself to you like you should already know what's happening that's one of my favorite things about roger rabbit is that like they show you the one roger rabbit cartoon at the beginning Mm -hmm. so you get the vibe of what roger rabbit is but there's never like jessica rabbit is just treated as an element of this universe and all the other characters are just like yeah tunes they exist with people like i like that it gives you a universe to live in i like movies like that like star wars Mm -hmm. like star wars just kind of in the first movie they're like ah what this is what a jedi is but other than that like when you see a lightsaber for the first time it's not like Behold, the most amazing thing in the world. He gives it to Luke. Luke turns it on, whips it around, turns it off and goes, uh, what about my dad? He's not like, this is incredible. It's just like, yeah, of course you could make a sword out of lasers. We all have laser guns. It's not a big deal. I just, I like when a movie gives you like a weird world to live in. And I think Roger Rabbit does that. And they used to have an all Jessica Rabbit store. That's like my dream. I would, listen, I want. I want all the Jessica Rabbit merchandise they sold. I have seen so many pictures online of the tacky, wonderfully kitschy, beautiful things they would sell. Do you want a Jessica Rabbit shower curtain? Because I do. Like, just nonsense. I want it so bad. It had a giant <laughs> it had a giant neon Jessica Rabbit sign that was like the entrance to Pleasure Island, which Disney opening a place called Pleasure Island with a giant neon sign of a nearly naked woman is so beautiful and non-Disney that it would never happen today. Also, it's named after the place in Pinocchio that ap- like absolutely but, like, represents sin. It just ruins children's lives. Turns so. children into donkeys. Which, like, yeah, but, you know. I love the notion that Disney was selling themselves on, like, this is, like, a sinful place. <laughs> this is this is literally what it, like, this is an allegory for falling into the wrong element, you know? If you just heard a slight glitch in the audio, it's one of those famous pee breaks I refuse to edit out properly. <laughs> All right. Um, Molly, we were talking about Pleasure Island, <laughs> the obscure nightclub district of downtown Disney, which is now Disney Springs. Uh, the time of the past. What I wouldn't give if I could live out of these waters and have one – just literally give me one hour in in a time machine just to go back to the Jessica Rabbit store, not to – stop the assassination of Abraham Lincoln or kill Hitler or something. None of that. Give me an hour in a time machine. Just want to, it's a (laughs) meager wish because I know those would change the course of history. But if I own some kitschy Jessica rabbit merch straight from the nineties, that's not, that's not messing up the universe. Yeah. I would just love some, some, some clocks where you love some Jessica rabbit stuff. I all, all Roger rabbit stuff of any kind. I don't want people to think it's like a weird thing because she's like, a cartoonishly sexualized woman. That is not why. I'd no, like to be clear. No, and if you know Danny, you if, know it's if not. If you knew me, you know that it has nothing to do with like the cheesecake aspect of it. It is literally just because I like cartoons and I love Roger Rabbit. And honestly, I like – it is weird that it <laughs> – it's weird that like the the quote unquote defining aspect of her character has nothing to do with why I want to go to this store. Right. Um, 
It was named after a lingerie shop. It was called like Jessica's of Hollywood, like Frederick's of Hollywood, which was a, a lingerie shop in uh, Hollywood. There was also at Disneyland, there was, of course, the Wizard of Bras store where you could buy women's underwear. There was like a robot wizard of bras who would be like, you need to buy a bullet bra because it's the 50s and everyone wears bullet bras. I don't know what he actually talked like. There's no video of this. But that was in, uh, I believe that was in Disneyland in the 50s. Um, and honestly, kind of cool that they would like normalize something like, you know, hey, don't be ashamed of your body. Come buy, come buy some underwear at Disneyland. Like, you know, they sell everything else at Disneyland. Why should we be so ashamed of the human form? Molly's looking at her phone, so I've really taken this as a license to keep going, but I think she's looking at her phone waiting for me to stop. No, I was looking up something for our actual topic before I forgot so that it was there. (laughs) I thought you were just like, he's going to keep going. I need to check out. (laughs) You were like looking up like, can I get a ride out of here? Are any of those those taxi apps, like is, is Uber or Lyft working again? No? Still dangerous during a pandemic? See if I can no, call someone to I drive just, me. I remembered something I wanted to look up um, for the topic. The topic, the look thing you were looking up is how to get away, <laughs> how to end conversations respectfully. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't know what any of this had to do with why you were bringing up Robocop. You're twirling your hair like Belle in Beauty and the Beast, the way that she's always flicking the hair out of her eyes. You're just kind of uh, like twirling it. I don't know what any oh, of this no. had to do with Oh, no. Now they know you have hair. I didn't mean to give away your identity. Uh, Molly is rubbing her bald, bald head, and she, she's doing it wonderfully. <laughs> um, and do you have any idea why you brought up RoboCop? It was really out of nowhere. It really – it feels like it had something to do with that nightclub. I feel like that was – I feel like we were talking we about were something. talking about them going into the nightclub. Yeah. The cops and RoboCop. I don't know why. No, the cops don't go. Just the robot. <laughs> He's, I'd like to be clear. His name is RoboCop, but he is taken over by corporations that have the, – the police in RoboCop, much like in real life, only serve the interests of the powerful. And so they literally <laughs> strip away a man's humanity to make him more effective at killing. But the beauty of RoboCop is that he rejects the system and he becomes human again. You and he reject shoots your own nose. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. (laughs) Yes. Much like Max the dog in the Grinch's film, he rejects his own nose. He removes the RoboCop helmet. He sees his face. And at the end of the movie, when they ask, what's your name, son? He goes, Murphy. It's the first time in the movie that he stopped calling himself RoboCop. It's beautiful because it's like, you know, literally enforcing what the powerful people want you to that strips away your humanity. And he regains it, Molly. Now, it's an 80s action movie, so he does that by shooting a man. So it's not a good – I don't want to encourage people to look at RoboCop as a text (laughs) of how to fix the policing system. It's not. It's a a post – it's a dark future movie, okay? And violence is not the answer to your problems. It's just that it's an action movie. So if he didn't solve the problem with violence, it would be very weird. Like, it would be weird if he resolved it with – you know, like The Untouchables is a movie about capturing Al Capone and Al Capone was captured because they found him guilty of like tax evasion. But since that wouldn't make a good movie, Al Capone is like beating people with a baseball bat and they got to shoot people off of roofs and stuff. It's it's cinema. And should we question how cinema glorifies guns? Can't we have exciting action movies where the hero doesn't use a gun? Batman, one of the most staunchly anti-gun heroes, is always given firearms in film adaptation. Perhaps American films have been glorifying violence your thoughts? My thoughts is that these people are going to be really confused because we're 20 minutes in. Yeah, to an episode about nursery rhymes. <laughs> and we, we didn't – we haven't we've literally we've been, been talking about, about – n- We didn't even tell them what the topic was. <laughs> we've been focusing on 
the not so perfect metaphors of RoboCop and nightclubs. Uh, the the and old Jessica Disney Rabbit. Disney Disney endorsed nightclubs. Jessica Rabbit enjoying Roger Rabbit and enjoying Jessica Rabbit, but yeah. not for not, weird not reasons. For reasons. Literally just because it's a good cartoon. <laughs> So I, I do think we should transition into the topic. Yeah, I'm going to sing the Jessica Rabbit song. You can start introducing the topic. I'll do it uh-huh. quietly, okay? I'm going to back off the mic and sing the Jessica Rabbit song while you introduce the topic. You know they're going to just listen for that. They're not no, going to listen to me. I'll lower my volume for this part, okay? Okay. Um, okay, so today we're going to be talking about... I can't do this while you're doing it. Today we're going to be talking about dark nursery rhymes. Um I I literally can't do this while Why you're doing this. You do I'll just let him sing. Like some other men do. Anyway, go on. Please, please tell them the actual topic. Okay, we're talking about dark nursery rhymes. I don't know if you know this, if you come to the same conclusion that many adults do. Pretty much all the nursery rhymes we hear as kids are either really fucked up or they're just, like, weird. And you're like, why are we singing about, like, these bizarre things yeah. that aren't words? Like... It doesn't make any sense. And so... Um, yeah, what the hell's a Frere Jaca? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, no, but, like, why are we singing about Brother John sleeping? Like, who cares? Like, what is... The, you what? sang more obscure nursery rhymes than I did, because I don't know what the Brother John one is. That's that. That's the English words. <laughs> oh, Frere that's, Jaca. What, that's what Frere Jaca is? Frere Jaca, Frere oh, Jaca. Dormez-vous? Dormez-vous, Are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? Brother John? Brother John? I have heard that now that yeah, you're saying. Yeah, okay. You know. See? Yeah, you remember. So that's what I think a lot of you are going to experience through this episode is you're going to not know what I'm talking about at first and then you might be like, oh my God, yeah. I do remember that. Um, so And to be clear, we don't want to be like those YouTube videos that are like top 10 darkest. No, no, no. Children's nursery. The dark meaning behind your favorite children's films. No. And I know that voice seems exaggerated, but Molly and I did once watch a video. No, no, that's like a guy's voice. That had like that exact voice. And we were like, it was so funny to us that he was doing that unironically to try to sound creepy. It was very funny. It was funny. It was about, it was about like ghosts or something. I don't remember what it was about. The but, top 10 most unexplainable uh, dark instants. He sounded like a South that Park That was the character. one about the ghost of Disney. Yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, um, there's a, a filmmaker who uh, recently was talking about how he was part of the viral marketing for – this is relevant – for the viral marketing for Toy Story 3 and they made like these fake 80s commercials for the Lotso Huggin' Bear from the (laughs) movie and then they did one in Japanese and like Disney paid them to just upload these to a random YouTube channel. They started the YouTube channel a month before they released them and uploaded actual old commercials. So it seemed like the Lotso commercial was part of a real series of old commercials, right? Oh my god. And this same company also as viral marketing did some of those Ghosts at Disneyland videos. Like to the get one, ghost hunters to come to Disney? Just as like a way to get people to talk about Disney mm. and like share these videos around. It's like this. just weird viral marketing that they were doing. That's part of it. And then some of them are also allegedly like, um, you know, old VCR uh, security systems would cause video artifacts and stuff. That's a possible explanation for some of them because I don't know which ones this, are actually the this ghosts. This is my favorite. I love it. I love stuff like that where like there's a great – it's like – it's the same satisfaction I get from watching Scooby-Doo <laughs> where it's like there's a good logical explanation for these ghosts. Granted, Scooby-Doo is a show where the dog talks, much like RoboCop. Not a perfect metaphor because you can be skeptical all you want, but dogs are magic and they talk. So I don't I don't really know. Either way, I just like stories where people solve mysteries. <laughs> well, these stories are not about solving mysteries, but they are about really dark things. Yes. So this is a little clickbaity, but you it's know. It's a little clickbaity, but it's not going to be because I'm not just going to be like, hey, here's the nursery rhyme. And Molly. And here's why it's creepy. Here's what I respect about Molly. You, no, real though? Real, real though? Bro? Yeah, bro, what I respect yeah. about you, bro? 
What I respect is that these are not like you going like, you know, like, you know, Puff the Magic Dragon is about drugs because that's like just a popular interpretation of it. You're digging into the origins of these. You're doing some research. You're presenting your own thoughts and your own theories, but you've got some, some not authorial intent, but the lost meaning of some antiquated terms and things like that. So I'm going to give you guys some – thank you. Thank you, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, welcome. I'm going to give you guys some backgrounds. So um, I am an adult. And I do love nursery rhymes. Um, not weird. She's not. Listen, I was telling listen. Molly before. When she tells you that, it's going to sound like she's a Batman villain. She's going to yeah. sound like, you know, Batman, I've always been quite fond of Alice in Wonderland. No, it's like, okay, so it's not an obsession like that. Like, this part is my obsession is You're that they the are Riddler. dark. No, I'm not the Riddler. Um, I wish, but I'm not. Um, no, so the the thing with nursery rhymes is that we spend so much of our childhood hearing them and like listening to the songs and they teach you them in preschool or you get the CDs. Well, you're not getting CDs now, but at the time you get the CDs. Now your parents probably put on a Spotify playlist or tell Alexa to play nursery rhymes. Um, and then we also had them in books. And so they take up such a large part of our childhood and they're very catchy and they're like made to be catchy and stick in your head. So I think it's weird that, like, more people don't remember them and that, yeah. like, we just stop listening to them all this time later. But I like them because I find them catchy and stuff. So um, I do unironically listen to these on rare occasions, but because – You're losing me. You're starting no, no, no. to sound like a Batman villain. No, no, I listen to them on rare occasions because out of nowhere they will get stuck in my head. And mm. sometimes the only way to, like, get a song out of your head is to listen to it. Sure. But, like me, how I listen to Love Shack once a day to recharge my energy and keep me as the powerful yes. uh, deity that I am Confirmed. to continue walking through the home with the sort of swagger and confidence I do. I have to hear <laughs> glitter on the mattress, glitter on the highway, of glitter course. on the front porch. Um, yes. If you see a faded sign at the side of the road that says 15 miles to the Love Shack. <laughs> Um, I'm heading okay. down the Atlanta highway. Mom is trying to sleep and does have work in the morning. You saying that on our podcast <laughs> is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened. <laughs> and you know I'm not going to edit it out. I know. You know I'm not I'm going not to. I'm not embarrassed. Listen, we're quarantined at home with our entire family. We're not happy about it. They're not happy about it. And neither should you. You should be upset. Write, yeah. to, write to our congressman <laughs> and tell him to buy us a house. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, Molly, okay. real quick, write to your congressman about a lot more important stuff right now. Okay? I'm serious. There's yeah. some good reasons to be getting in contact with your government officials. Getting us a house There's is some not great one, Danny. plans floating around to, to uh, move the funds of the public to more important places than they currently are, redistributing the city budgets in okay. important ways. And the, some of the plans are good. Some of them are not extreme enough. Keep writing. Keep pressuring the people in real life. Molly, let's talk about some nursery I'm rhymes. Trying. I'm trying. so sorry. I, I am trying to get to my point. I'm sorry I sang love. Shot. So my thing is that even as a kid, I thought these were weird. But I found that my favorite ones, this is going to tell you how messed up I am. My favorite ones were the dark, weird ones. And I don't think it's because they were dark and weird. But I do think they had the catchiest tunes. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to go through... So this is kind of like my thing, and, and Danny's kind of going to be just surprised as we go through these, yeah. as you all. Um, I'm going to start with a classic that most of us know, right? Ring Around the Rosie. A right? full of posies. Ashes, ashes, they all fall down. Right, Danny. Now, what do you remember that being about? To my recollection, mm-hmm. and this is maybe – I feel like you told me this as a youth. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was about – uh, like the, maybe the plague or something, like they were dying. Yeah. And it's like ashes to ashes is why they say ashes. So, yeah, uh, a really common theory about yeah. Ring Around the Rosie is that it's about the plague. And, yeah. you know, we say 
ashes, ashes, because people died and, you know, you cremate they cremated them. Yeah. them. And then we all fall down because, like, we fall down and die. Um, that's, like, a, the most popular theory, but, like, it's not known that that's true. And sure. that theory didn't come about until after World War II. Mm -hmm. And this song had been around long before then. Um, so what I think is so weird about this song isn't any of that. It's actually just that we call it Ring Around the Rosie, and that's not the name of the song. It's actually Ring a Ring of Roses. Wait, that's the title? Yeah, like the Ring Around the Rosie is like the like seventh alternate name. Oh. But it's called Ring a Ring of Roses. Now, can I pitch you something real quick? Go ahead. This is your these are your topics. I'm not trying to take over, but no, no, go, could go. we this maybe could we maybe do a really fun not jazzy, but like soulful song called Ring a Ring a Roses. What was it again? Ring a Ring a Roses. Ring a Ring a Roses. I'm hearing that as kind of a like respect, like R E S P E C T. Like I'm hearing like there's sort of a groove to Ring a Ring a Roses. Kind there of like could the, be. When they're doing the re See, re When re, I hear re, Ring a Ring a Roses, I think respect. it's Ring a Ring a Ring Ching Chaw. Oh, that song. Yeah, yeah. That's what kind of comes to mind. Yeah. No, but it's, it's very similar. Ring a, Ring a Ring a Roses is very yeah. similar to Ring Around the Rosie. Um, but it's ring a ring of roses, a pocket full of poses, a tissue, a tissue. We all fall down. That, ooh, um, I gotta be honest with you. Pocket full of poses. If we're gonna just like try to critique these, yeah. pocket full of poses is much more evocative than tissue or whatever. Right. Like that's all. Pocket so, full of poses or whatever. So this is what's good. You're gonna see with all of these is yeah. that. There are so many versions and they exist in like every language. Everybody's got a different version. Yeah. So there's like a lot of different theories about their origins. But there's also like a lot of different ones that have creepy lyrics. And I guess like by the time we were kids, they, they were like, they, no, they decided like, oh, like these are kind of weird. Let's keep the song. We'll just like change one word and cut off the last four verses. Yeah. And then like you're like, oh, it's kind of like when you look into the Star Spangled Banner and you're like, yeah, there's even oh, more. There's more to this. Why? Yeah. Who's singing so, the extra part? Ring around the rosy. Oh, that was a thing in World War II apparently, where they would ask people if they. they I this is definitely one of those things that's not true, and they just okay. tell you it is. But I'm. I, it's one of those apocryphal stories, as they would uh, mm -hmm. say. So it's it's this apocryphal story that they would ask someone you know sing the star spangled banner and if they knew the second verse then they would like shoot them because they were a spy because no, oh yeah no, no actual no, american no. would ever know that now that being said i feel like i know weird shit and someone could <laughs> ask scared. me something someone could be like, like yes this will save my life someone would be like, like say the names of all the presidents and then i would i would be able to do it because of that song from animaniacs mm -hmm. that taught me all the presidents and they think you were really crazy because you'd be singing them they and would they'd be shoot like... they'd shoot me because they'd be like no american knows all the presidents and i'd be like, like it's animaniacs i would i would be trying to explain the rhymes that i used to remember and i'd be like George Washington was the first, you see. He once chopped down a cherry tree. President two would be John Adams, and then number three, Tom Jefferson, stayed up to write the declaration late at night. So he and his wife had a great big fight. Right. She made him sleep on the couch all night, you know. And I would get to like James Monroe's colossal nose was bigger than Pinocchio's. And they'd shoot me because they're like, that is some weird mind control shit they taught you. You're not a real man. And I'd be like, well, wait, what does my masculinity have to do with it? And they'd be like, we misspoke. We meant not a real American. <laughs> and I'd be like, it's okay. I'm, I'm dying anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's World War II. I'm not progressive enough to question you. Ooh. Right. And then mm. I would die. Yeah. Um, yeah. Glitter well, that's what mattress. a lot of these feel like, though. Like, a lot of these feel like kind of like they're telling mm -hmm. you this, but they might not be true. And that's kind of what Ring Around the Rosie's thing was, is that my whole life I really was told that it was yeah. about the plague. But also it could be something as simple as one of the earliest versions is a French version. And um, the French word for 
roses or it sounds like roses is um it means like a rose tree and children would like dance in a circle around a rose oh, tree so and like that's fall down is about curtsying to each other oh so not as dark potentially as i thought it was yeah potentially so that's um, interesting how popular like an urban legend can can make something and then affect yeah. the interpretation of it that's true but of- it's also interesting just because like that could be it and it just could be that the earlier scholars like weren't thinking about that maybe because the plague was going on or i i don't know but yeah that randomly pop maybe it's some type of like a nazi propaganda that made led oh. to this interpretation i don't know i don't know um I, w- I wouldn't know it's it's there's weird stuff like that where i mentioned puff the magic dragon earlier that was a song that was not about drugs and there's that famous quote about the man who wrote it if he wanted to write a song about drugs he just would have written a song about drugs and it really was about a dragon but like then you also run into the issue of once something is in the popular consciousness the authorial intent doesn't really matter anymore mm-hmm. as long as the text of the song can support, support your it. interpretation but then there's also the flip side of that which is authorial intent doesn't necessarily matter right um but your artistic interpretation might not actually be supported by the text. So if Puff the Magic Dragon, if the drug allegory did not hold up, which right. I have not closely examined the lyrics of Puff the Magic Dragon, mm-hmm. if that allegory did not hold up, then that would not be a valid artistic interpretation. Let's say there was a point in the song that you could not rationalize to be about drugs in any anyway, way. right. Then that would make the theory invalid. It would make your interpretation invalid right. because the text doesn't support it. Well, so if Ring Around the Rosy... It's one of those things like pocket full of posies. What is what is that? Well, a posy was something that you would put out in like a circle yeah. to like protect against. Um, is that true? Things. Yeah. Um, so the other, the third or fourth, however many, yeah. one of the possible things is that this could actually really be like part of a pagan ritual, like pagan type thing. Oh. Um, even if it's not a ritual, like it, it's the song, at least the lyrics came about like pagan things, whether that was in mocking or yeah. – in earnest um so i don't know but that's what this said um it could also be about like actually stringing a ring of roses there's also what you're gonna find with the nursery rhymes a lot of weird like games children would play and so ring around the rosy one of the things was like i believe about like a guy with a ring like going around and giving a ring i might be confusing that with another one though okay Anyway, there's like weird things like that, like where there actually could just be like literal interpretations of it. Yeah. And it's weird. But going back to the thing what you were saying about the intent of a song um, and how I think that's a really good question of uh, with a couple of these is and just media in general, if that is not my intent, but people widespreadly are use like interpreting it a different way, should we stop using the song? So one of those things is Baba Black Sheep. Yeah. A lot of people think that that's a song about – that's a racist song. Yeah. Um, Baba Black Sheep, Have You Any Wool? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. One for the master, one for the dame, and one for the little boy who lives down the lane. Right. And the fact that the sheep is called black. Black. Which in addition to being slang for someone who doesn't fit in, obviously you could refer to a person as black. And then there's a master, master in the song. Master and yes, sir. Yeah, that's... And, you know – the and fact wool. that he's selling himself kind of like all these sure, things. Sure, but it so. could also be kind of like wool or like I, I don't I don't mean to get overly dark, but I believe this is what people mean when they bring that up as a racist thing like three bags of wool could be like a, a cotton thing like slavery because they're referring right. to a master. Like it, it, I see so how people it's interpret It's totally that. easily interpreted that yeah, way. Yeah, and that's one where I think this the text might support a reading of that. Right. So um in this though what's I agree with that and I can see that in this song What's crazy is 
if you look at its where when it originated, at least the earliest known account, it's actually about this like English tax law that got passed. What? Uh, um, what? Yeah. So it was actually one third of your wool products would go to the like the crown, mm-hmm. and what like and one would go somewhere else, and then the third would go to the farmers. Is that? Is this true or is this another apocryphal one? No, like we this have is a definite... an actual law. Oh, okay. And it was like this is very clearly the lyrics line up with what the law would mean. Yeah. But, you know, our, we don't, there's no fact about where any of these songs came from because they've been yeah. around forever. But there is accounts of this song being around the time that this law was passed. I'm blanking on the name of the English law. Yeah. Um, but it was I about splitting – I think our splitting... listeners will forgive you. Yeah. But it was about splitting wool. Yeah. Um, or – your goods at least three ways that yeah. they get a third and basically you get none so one of yeah. the variations the lines is and none for the little boy who lives down the lane because you oh. do all this and you don't get any of your profits it goes right. to the to the king and that's actually whoever. that actually makes more sense as like a protest or not even a protest just a statement about how they right. feel about the law and i get that that's mm. why we're but then this is where all these come in why are chi- why are we singing this to children like why are we having children sing this well I get that it's just passed down and at this point it's lost its meaning, but it's it's better than – not an example in a nursery rhyme, but just an example of music, the song This Land is Your Land. Mm-hmm. You know, this land is your land, this land is my land, right. from California to the New York Island, the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. That originally was a song about like America's fucked up and we should change the way things are run. Mm-hmm. It was a song – it was not right. a – super pro-America song. It was a song yes, about Arlo Guthrie. challenging. Yeah, it was a song about challenging institutions. And now, if like me, you were a child in the 21st century in school, they have you sing it as just this pleasant little song about how everyone is great and America's great. Right. And it's really fucked up. I mean, the most fucked up thing is is that, you know, every morning children stand up like we live in a dystopia and we we <laughs> pledge our allegiance as if a right. child knows what allegiance even means and they like from well, no because they all say i pledge of allegiance okay <laughs> yes children do say it wrong which is hilarious they say i pledge of allegiance <laughs> but maybe they're doing it actually in form of protest yeah. they don't have to actually pledge allegiance to america yeah. that would that would be yeah but i remember just that being I, side note because in fifth grade like the fifth graders each got to go to um the office, the office over yeah. the morning announcements and you got to say the pledge of allegiance and it was like a big deal yeah. and i remember my teacher like coaching us saying like you don't say pledge of allegiance say yeah. pledge allegiance and like that being the biggest stressor was walking <laughs> down there being like don't mess up don't say i pledge of allegiance like oh my god yeah that's not to be i i don't mean to be overly critical or to focus on something that doesn't really matter that much because it doesn't really matter that much but like it it feels very like if another country did that, you'd be so grossed out or weirded out by it. And yeah. other countries – apparently people in other countries do think that of America because like I think the last other country to do that was like – well, in Canada, they play O Canada over mm-hmm. the announcements in the morning. But that's not a big deal. That's the national anthem and the kids don't have to sing along. But then like other – Countries apparently think this is a very odd practice for us to do this. Australia used to have one and they stopped doing it years ago. But like the the Pledge of Allegiance, when you think about it, it's like imagine just for a quick second. And I don't mean to sound like a hippie, but I am a hippie. I look mm-hmm. like a hippie. I haven't shaved like Molly said. I really do look like a, sort of a chubby Jim Henson or maybe like a malcontent Bob Ross. But uh, the way that like – imagine like Soviet Russia – 
and it is every morning you are to place your hand over your heart and look up to the hammer and sickle and pledge your allegiance to Mother Russia. You would be weirded out. You'd be like, oh, my God, look at those fascists. But like here in America, you're just like, yep, I pledge allegiance because I've done this since I was three years old and I'm not questioning it. Yeah. Like it's it's a weird thing to do to kids to it make is. them allegiant. I do get it a little bit because I do think in some ways it's a way to instill a national pride, which I feel like. I don't know if it's important. I've obviously been yeah. socialized to think that it is. Yeah. And like I can kind of see why for like purposes of treason and things like that. But it's definitely – I can definitely have come to see but it. But like it's listeners, very that, like national pride, like like think about what no, national – No, I think we've got like, you know, insert our state where we live here, pride. Yeah. You know, like – yeah. You, you know, like there just is a little bit of a community but to I, that. But I thing. do think it's very brainwashy. Like, personally, like personally, I am, I am proud of uh, – like individual neighbors that we might have or I am proud of people I have met but I feel no particular allegiance to this state that we live in because I don't agree with everything our politicians do and I don't agree with all of my neighbors like I don't I just I I maybe this is me being a a weird hippie person No I think it's pretty common But I feel no like allegiance to the state where I live Allegiance is a strong word or that's pride. why I don't like the I'm not proud cuz I didn't found this state I mean first of all this patch of land we live on was stolen from some native americans We're getting so political That's fine We'll live, Molly. People can live knowing that we are general hippies. I don't care about them knowing we're political. I'm just saying you told me to not get political. No, I meant you. we shouldn't get political because we didn't want to date the episodes. We wanted them to have a sort of evergreen quality. But right now, you know, we're living through a time where right. the general wisdom is to not ignore the world around you. We can't be like Garfield Comics, Molly. I just want to talk about the nursery rhymes. Okay, we can get back to the nursery rhymes. I'm just saying that- Yes, it's the, weird. The, no- Yes, it's weird. But the reason I got into it at all was just because the, this land is your land, that a nursery rhyme or a song in general can be co-opted right. and that its general meaning can change. This land is your land is a generally patriotic song now. They play it in patriotic commercials right. and stuff, things that are meant to play on that pride which is instilled in us in our youth. And so if Baba Black Sheep has been used in a racist way or is generally interpreted to be racist, it, it kind of doesn't matter if it's not. Right, yeah. It becomes that. It does, and I don't know And I apologize been... for the tangent, by the way. I went so far into left field. <laughs> I don't know if it's been used, per se, in a racist way, but it has been interpreted that way. And I just think in general, like, I don't feel like there's a song we need to keep. Like, you know, why? Yeah. What? It's not. It was never a fun one. It doesn't go anywhere. It's literally <laughs> just, blah, blah, black sheep, have you any wool, yes sir, yes sir, three bags full. Like, and then it says, like, that little bit. That's it. And it's like, okay, like, the song's done. Yeah. And all I learned is that a sheep had to sell his own wool to get by. That's like, almost like that Disney, the Pixar short, Bounden. It is like that. Where and that, it's like, very weird. that hopping little creature is shaving the sheep and it's like yeah. the Pied Piper. But. It's interesting that you bring this up and I what I'm envisioning now is you running a YouTube channel where you critique nursery rhymes and you're like this is one of the best ones out there. <laughs> and then like you have like zero stars for Baba Black Sheep. The plot doesn't go anywhere. It's not just, well that's what I mean like at least the really dark ones like they're like whoa and you're like I am intrigued and confused or if you're a child you're like I have no idea what this means and for that yeah. reason I'm a little intrigued because what do these words mean? Um, now, I'm going to shift complete directions here. Go ahead. This one is outwardly fucked up, I shift think. Shift it in the turbo, baby. Danny, do you know the one, Tom the Piper's son? No. Perform it for me. <laughs> Tom, Tom the Piper's son, stole a pig and away he run. The pig was eat and Tom was beat. 
and Tom went crying down the street. Hmm. This is interesting. This sounds like something from Oliver Twist. It's so... It's sad. Yeah. This kid steals a pig. He kills and eats it. They kill it and eat it. And then he gets beat, I think, by his dad and cries and runs away crying. And so there's more to this. Yes, please please tell me the real thing. And then I will give you my artist's interpretation. By the way, I'm an artist. Oh, there is no, there wasn't a crazy backstory behind this one, but I just found, so that when you listen to that nursery rhyme as a kid now, that's the only verse that there is, but there's actually like a lot of verses. If you ever heard that nursery rhyme, which okay. I had not well, until that was on a moment. CD that I had with a compilation of nursery rhymes. That, that is, thought. I gotta say, one of the, one of the more interesting music projects for a musician to be like, hey, what are you working on, Bill? And Bill's like, I'm doing a collection of nursery rhymes and I have dug deep to find the one about the boy who eats the pig. I am not just doing the corporate, everyone's favorite baby beluga bullshit. I am going deep into the archives. I will find the truth in the nursery rhymes. I will show the children. I will not do your ring around their rosy horse shit, your corporate crap. Have I filled enough time with my weird German accent? I thought you were still looking for that. No, you're still looking. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought it was on this page. My favorite performance of Baba Black Sheep comes oh, in a. Oh, go ahead. I, I found it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so. I uh, no, I'm sorry. This so okay. So this is one of those ones again where there's like these other weird versions of the sure, song because that, it's all oral history. It's not necessarily a published song. Right. So there's another version that has nothing to do with him being beat and nothing to do with a pig. And I just want to point that out there. This one is just, it makes sense. He's the Piper's son. And this is about playing a tune and playing a pipe. And I think this might be the modern version that maybe they've changed they it up. to. But my question is, why are we keeping the weird songs? Why you know? change them to make them better? Why not right. just... Teach okay. kids because, like, I never heard that one, and I had a I was about to say I had a happy childhood, but I had a childhood, and it you know, it wasn't it was certainly not hampered or ruined right. by the lack of Tom the Piper's son. Um, it's also weird because we already have the Pied Piper, and I feel like I've only got room for one Piper in my childhood lexicon, right? Because Piper is such a specific thing. I mean, if, unless you're counting the character from I Charmed. feel like this is related to the Pied Piper, but it's well, because the Pied Piper, I don't think he had children, I think he lured children with his piping. Okay, so. I cannot find this version for some reason, yeah. but basically there is a version of the song where it just starts going into other professions' sons, mm. and so it's like I don't know, Tim, Bill, Tim Bill, the, the Taylor's butch- son yeah. stole a Tim cloth, the Tool Man Taylor, and like this. So I don't know. It's just a weird. It's a lot about stealing, and it's basically if you steal, your parents will beat you. Okay, well that honestly, now that it's about that. Now that it's about child abuse, suddenly I'm in favor of it. No. Um, no, but that does make sense. Like, don't steal kids. Like, that's a fine right. lesson to teach a child. Beating them, Beating teaching them, them through threats, not good. But, like, and the fact that they have to add the crying down the street. Yeah. And then we're talking about the, the fact that you ate a pig. Yeah. I did see something that said that the pig is not, like, a live pig. It's a, like, a type yeah, of pastry a... type thing. Oh. But um, I'd like to point out that in every children's book adaptation of this, it is a kid running with a pig under his arm. Oh, I was I was thinking maybe, like, when you see, like, a roast pig with an apple in its mouth. Oh. Like, you know, no, Pumbaa. this you is know. a live pig. I thought. So when I heard this, yeah. I didn't think. So my original interpretation as a kid, I haven't found anything to support any interpretation, um, was that. Tom stole the pig because he didn't want them to kill it. Yeah. But then they caught Tom. They killed the pig and ate it and then beat Tom for trying to keep it alive. So you read Charlotte's Web. Yeah. But they – spoiler alert for Charlotte's Web. I saw the movie. Spoiler alert. Wilbur makes it out. 
I don't know if you guys heard, but but Wilbur Wilbur makes it to the end of Charlotte's Web. Spoiler alert for who does it. Spoiler alert right Spoiler now. Alert, Skip ahead 30 seconds. Tweeted, hashtag stop the voice. Stop the voice. Skip ahead. Hit the little forward button if you don't want to hear who dies at the end of Charlotte's Web. Are you ready? Hit the skip button if you don't. Charlotte. Charlotte doesn't make it out. I'm going to wait 30 seconds and then say it again to fuck with them. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if I paused? What if there's like someone who's in the middle of reading Charlotte's Web watching... Crap. Somebody reading Charlotte's fucking. Somebody it. reading Charlotte's Web and I fucked it up for them. Well, let me pitch you. Let me pitch you an alt to that. Charlotte's Web, my favorite book as a child. I was a grim child who was very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked sort of like a, a a really hefty version of a Tim Burton character as a child, just sad and lots of hair going everywhere and <laughs> very pale and just my eyes were kind of popping out of my head. But I have little eyes, so I looked like a supporting character from a Tim Burton movie who's mm. like, you know, because like Jack Skellington or whoever. They, well, that was a bad example. The kids from Frank and Weenie and Sally, they all have really big eyes. I had really tiny ones, so I was like – a minor character in a Tim Burton movie who was not designed as intricately. Anyway, um, I loved Charlotte's Web. I read it like a zillion times as a kid. I, that and Treasure Island, for some reason, I just liked rereading those books. I don't know why. I didn't read other things. Um, but I would argue that Charlotte's Web, like the best episode of The, of the Twilight Zone, is good even if you know the twist. Even if yeah. you know how it's going to end. It's an enjoyable story because a carnival, as they say in the animated film, is a veritable smorgasbord for a rat, Molly. A veritable smorgasbord. I'm doing John Oliver hands at Molly while you I'm are. saying. Oh, John Oliver, after doing Lion King, he should go do Templeton the Rat in a, in a new Charlotte's Web. Let me get in that. Um... I was thinking of him just screaming repeatedly how he wants that rotten egg to take to his home. That's a stupid book. Why did I like it? E.B. White was a son of a bitch, writing Stuart Little, writing Charlotte's Web, loving the perspective of small animals that we normally disregard. E.B. White, a king. (laughs) Now that I think about it, E.B. White might have been a woman. No, E.B. White's a dude. I'm thinking of S.E. Hinton, who wrote The Outsiders, one of my my other favorite books. Sorry, please, nursery rhyme it up. Okay. Um, Do you know... The Billy, Muffin Man? Do you know Billy Boy? Wait, Molly, appreciate my joke. I did another nursery. I know, that was good. There, do you, I don't uh, have anything weird about the Muffin Man. I don't. Which is crazy because that seems like it should do. Who is she? Why is but she married no, to the Muffin Man? Here's my thing. Like, what is the point of the Muffin Man? Do you know the Muffin Man, the Muffin Man, the Muffin Man who lives on Drury Lane? Mm. There's the second part where it's like she's married to the Muffin Man, the Muffin yeah, Man. Yeah, there's like 30 parts of it where it's yeah. just us just saying the same words over and over again about just a regular muffin man and we're just going to sing it. It's let me not p- dark, no, let me but pitch you like, a modern nursery rhyme that also has no purpose. Okay. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I've got love in my tummy. <laughs> it feels so good to me. <laughs> Sometimes songs don't make a lot of sense. And honestly, it's muffin. Not, and I'm okay with some of those. Yeah. I'm sorry. But it's the dark ones. Okay. Which do you Peter? know Billy Boy? Billy Boy. What's, what's that? Um, oh, where have you been, Billy Boy? Billy Boy? It sounds familiar. Oh, where have you been, Charming Billy? Nope. Okay. You lost me. This is a, a song about a boy who's been gone, and he went and found a wife. But he hasn't married her yet, I don't think. The thing is, they ask her where he's been, and he says, I've been to seek a wife. She's the joy of my life. And the repeated line is, she's a young thing and cannot leave her mother. Mm, I don't know if that means she's too young. Is he also young? Is You're her mother too sick? young, girl. But here's the thing. They do – so the thing about this song is it is pretty sexist. It does hold traditional female roles very important. It's these people asking Billy about like – um, like, did she bid you to come in? Is she a good cook? Did she take your hat? Did she set a chair for you? Like, all of these things. Molly. So I don't think we should be perpetuating that. Molly. Yeah? I don't know how to tell you this. This nursery rhyme is about a vampire. 
because he no <laughs> he can't ask you to come in. Yes, come in unless vampires can't come in unless they are yeah, entered. They and are think about it, gentlemanly. Think about it though, mm. Dracula typically is very cordial. He's very he's very mm. fancy, right? And and he has a sway over people. He can look into their eyes and hypnotize them like he does to Renfield. And he can hypnotize women usually. So I'm thinking this is Billy Boy is back at the fucking vampire boys club. They're all sitting around smoking cigars like, did you like hypnotize her? Did she do your bidding? And he's mm-hmm. like, yes. But as as strong as my sway over her is, I can't get her to leave her mother. And Dracula, I feel like, is usually preying on very young women. I feel like mm. there's there's sort of a Captain Hook creepy vibe That's to Dracula true. And often. So if vampires live a long time, this a regular person would be young to them. Yes. That being now, said, I'd imagine most nursery rhymes predate the publishing of Dracula, well, which popularized the vampire true. myth as we know it. A lot of the things about Dracula, except I feel like in the book, I'm pretty sure in the book he can go out in the sun and is fine during well, the day. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna question the young thing part of this. Yeah, because they do seem to ask him. He is called a boy. Well, he's a boy, yes. Um, but they do ask. He him, was a boy. She was a girl. Could I make it any more obvious? They don't make it super obvious. Um, <laughs> so a, a harsh critique from nursery rhyme critic Molly. <laughs> They ask her, how old may she be, Billy Boy, Billy Boy? And this is his response, and it's plagued me for years. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it means, and we're going to try to figure it out. How old may she be, Charming Billy? Three times six and four times seven, 28 and 11. She's a young thing and cannot leave her mother. Okay. So now, is it three times six, which is 18? Yes. Four times seven, 28. So is she, is it those added together? But then it says 28 and 11. Is he dumb? Does he think that eight times, I mean, six times three is 11 and not mm-hmm. 18? And then is he adding those together or is it all of these? Hmm. Six is times three. Is she like a 70 year old woman? I don't know. Cause if you add them all together, that's like really old 18, yeah. 28, 28 and 11. Yeah, that's fucked up. No, maybe it's, maybe he's doing her age and then his age. You know, maybe it's two different ages. Three times six and four times seven, 28 and 11. So maybe he is uh, 39. Or maybe he's like, age isn't important. I'm going to confuse you. I'm giving you this cryptic answer. But she's a young thing and she cannot leave her mother because he's going to keep telling us that. Yeah. At the end, they ask, is she fit to be a wife? And he says, she's as fit to be a wife as a fork fits to a knife. And That's a good rhyme. It's a good rhyme, but I'm wondering if there's a little bit of a sexual thing in there. Okay, Molly, I don't know how to tell you this. Maybe, uh, listen, I know you're a prude, Molly, but sex has nothing to do with a fork and a knife. The way the fork fits into a knife. No, 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 because first of all, the fork has more openings than you would expect from a sexual partner. And also, when was the last time you took your knife and slid it in the fork repeatedly? Okay, well, how else would a fork fit into a knife? No, not fit into a knife. That is literally how you cut things, Danny. No! Well, I guess you do. No, you hold it down with the the fork and then you put the knife in front. You don't put the knife through the front of the fork. To a knife. Yes, just in that they are a good pairing. Just in that they are compatible. She's also blind. I'd like to point out. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. But he has such a weird thing to say. Kind Um, of dickish to make a visual, like a seeing impaired person pull out your chair for you. That's okay. That no, feels no. like a sick game. The, I'm I'm not concerned about Billy. I'm cons- well. One, I'm a little concerned about the girl. Um, but the fact that she's blind does lend a little bit to the events that you hear in this. Um, you know, they. I don't like the questions they're asking him though. They ask, you know, wh- how, wh- 
Where does she live? Did she bid you come in? And um, tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah, it's, Did you this get is very the old far? Version of tell that. me more. Tell they me asked more. if she took its hat, and he says, "Yes, she took my hat." Now that sounds sexual. Threw it at the cat. Oh, Molly, that's sexual. Did Think about said- it. No. Did she take it? Yes, she threw it at her pussy. <laughs> there you go. I hate this podcast. Let's cancel it. Can she cook and can she spin? These are all. <laughs> <laughs> I know that they mean like spinning. Yes. Like fucking like sewing, Rapunzel yeah. or whatever. Rumpelstiltskin, not Rapunzel. <laughs> I'm stupid. Can she make a feather bed? Can she bake a cherry pie quick as a cat and can wink her eye? Molly, isn't quick as a cat from Friends? Okay, but this one quick got like me. Quick like a cat. Quick like a cat. It is. Um, this is the thing. They ask him, her, him how well she can make a pudding, and he says that he it's she can make it well because he can tell by the smell. And I've never really thought of pudding as having a smell before. There is nothing more disgusting. Now that you've decided to put this sexual connotation on, nothing in the world is more disgusting than this man discussing the smell of her pudding. <laughs> I really got to get out of here. This is so horrible. This is the most disgusting. By the way, this does remind me of the episode where uh, of Batman where – Harley Quinn is trying to like get the Joker to pay attention that it's their anniversary and of course he's an abusive monster so he doesn't care but what she does is she gives the henchman the night off and she makes a giant pie full of pudding and she rises slowly out of the pudding because she is a mentally ill person in an abusive relationship and she like thinks this will entice him because she calls him pudding but she sings to the tune of happy birthday in like a Marilyn Monroe voice and this traumatized me as a child because I like it's so clear in my mind not that I haven't watched Batman now as an adult but she sings happy anniversary Mr. J and it's like so weird she kicks a giant cherry at him and he of course is an abusive monster and just throws her out on the street covered in pudding and it's like nothing in the world better encapsulates what a, a dark but funny show that that was that like this poor woman covered in pudding just wants some love and she's literally thrown out while covered in pudding (laughs) but like she's so misguided she thinks this will bring her joy it's just it's sad and funny but also like probably expensive to license the happy birthday song (laughs) for that joke well that's true but now back then it was under the main but not back then but i mean it was owned by warner brothers which produces batman so maybe they got a little discount on the old mildred and patty hill estate for writing happy birthday which is a song that already existed, and I think they just put the words to the tune or something like that. Right. I don't know. It's good it's in the public domain now. Pudding is gross. Is there any more to say about Billy Boy before we move on to no, your next No, we are moving on to the next Thank one. Thank God. I just think it's I, a weird one. I was really uncomfortable with that right? one. I got to tell you, it was going some places. It's it's a like, thing again. Like, why is this a song? Sed- is he seducing a blind minor? Is that what's happening? I, I think it is. And I, I just... While being cheered on by his little boys While being cheered club. on and they're telling him that, you know, she has to be this very stereotypical woman and that's what will make her a good wife. And I don't, I just don't like it. Maybe this was a song that they sang to, like, teach girls how to be, how they quote-unquote should, yeah. and, like, we need to get rid of this one. They have to be blind. <laughs> they have to be blind. <laughs> Women must be blind. Um, okay, so I'm Welcome gonna, to finishing school. I'm going to Lesson one, poke out your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spitball through a few of these um, that are more common. So, Rockabye Baby. We know that's just Baby's fucking falling out wrong. of a tree. When the outbreaks, the cradle will fall and down will come baby cradle and all. Like, fucked up. Why are we saying that to a child to put them to sleep? Yeah. Just because it has the word rock in it and you sing it in a sweet voice does not make it not terrifying. There's there's a Simpsons 
uh, episode where they animate. I think it's Marge singing it to Maggie, and they like animate mm-hmm. like the image of the baby in the crib, and it's like being blown by the wind, and it's actually kind of creepy because yeah. it's like the really early Simpsons where the animation is like kind of sketchy. Yeah, and so it's like you're just watching it, and you're like, this is actually a disturbing thing to sing to a baby. It is. Um. um yeah. So one of the theories behind this song is that it's actually about um and the I- Lindbergh baby. <laughs> Close. No, um, I I don't know the king. The all. I'm um, spoiler alert, guys. I don't know British or French history. I don't. Um, but I believe this is about one of the King Charles's potentially. Um, it, anyway, whoever it is, it's basically like they needed to have a baby, otherwise their reign was oh. going to end. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like King Henry. If we, yes, but, but I don't. I don't Henry. think it was him though. Okay. Um. So it's it's a story about these two people. They went to the hospital and came out with a baby, and supposedly it might have not had been their baby. Mm. Um, if you know which monarch I'm talking about, you can. You're talking about the great monarch, the queen of my heart. That is, uh, Leah Thompson on her hit ABC drama, ABC family drama, Switched at Birth. Yeah. Where she accidentally took the wrong baby from the hospital and never stopped to question why her baby, Leah Thompson in the show is like a redhead. And then her baby has like dark black black hair. hair. Yeah. And then her, the other family that they switch children with never questions why they have a ginger daughter. Right. Um, and she's deaf, which is just another interesting wrinkle on the show that adds to the drama. That was a good show. I watched. I kept up with show. that. I got to watch the finale still, actually, so nobody spoil that for me. Yeah. Uh, don't um, tell her like what happens. It's like but yeah. – um, Spoiler alert. Charlotte doesn't make it. <laughs> There's no character on Switch to Birth named no. Charlotte, right? Yeah, okay. Um, but One yeah, of them so was basically, named Daphne. Yeah. That's oh. all I remember. I'm fuzzy on character names. But that was a good show. It was. Um, but yeah, so if the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. Basically, like our rain will fall if we mm. don't produce a baby. Um, Does, but did, why? But why are we singing that? Yeah. It's did creepy. bow mean something else? Because that's like the front of a boat, right? Uh, a bow, a branch of a tree. Oh, that's what that means. Yeah. Oh, isn't that that song? Uh, the tree in the bog, and the bog in the hole, and the bog. Yeah. Go- isn't bow part of that? I guess I'm, I never I put don't that know. together. I'm not sure. Okay. Um. Well, I don't know why. I. I it seemed like you knew, and I oh. trust you. Yeah. No, I didn't know that one. No, um, just the not the. Oh, uh, about I'm the, the bow. Got what it. bow would mean? Yeah. Got it. I didn't know if that meant the front of a crib. Or um, the crib is a ship. I thought I had more well-known ones, but I. Oh well, three blind mice. Okay. Yeah. Weird song. Three blind mice. Three blind mice. See how they run. They all ran after the farmer's wife who cut off their tail with a carving knife. Don't remember that part. Have you ever seen such a sight in your life as three blind mice? That's oh. the full thing of that, That's and crazy. um, so that also might be a reference to. Um. Oh my God. What's her name? The, Lizzie Borden. The no, 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 no. But the queen, the queen that killed the 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 Protestants. Oh, uh, Elizabeth. Yes, Queen Elizabeth. Yes. Yeah. So this is a reference. She had to Mary. Her. She had. She killed Mary, Queen of Scots. Okay. She killed the, because in Scotland they had like their own queen, right? And there was sort of a a mini revolution okay. war. Thing so going there's going to be a lot of songs about the two of them. Oh, okay. This might be, this is either about Elizabeth or it's about Mary. Mm-hmm. One of them had three um, church famous church figures. Okay. Killed. Okay. And this is that. That um, would I would assume that would be Elizabeth. She had a lot of people executed. Okay. Then and that movie about, about her is British propaganda that does not tell the truth of history. I'm sorry to break it to you. I don't care if Kate Blanchett is the greatest actor in the world. Spoiler alert: she is. <laughs> but 
you know, it's not true. And the films are, I'm, this isn't even a joke. Those are actually horribly historically inaccurate. And they still show those movies in high school sometimes. There's two of them. Mm-hmm. There's Elizabeth. And then like 10 years later, they did a sequel called Elizabeth the Golden Age. And okay, like what, that movie, Mary Queen of Scots, though, like that one's okay. Cause I was, I, I still want to see that. I don't know if that one is historically accurate. I'm going to assume that it is closer because so. movies nowadays seem to be a lot more respectful of history than like the olden times. But, like, those movies were in the 90s and the 2000s, the, yeah. the Elizabeth movies. We didn't care about history. But it's also weird because, like, the cast of those movies is almost entirely British. It's like Daniel Craig is in them. And, like, you just think that, like, being British, they would have, like, a British cast and British producers would have said, like, you know, this actually isn't how our national history goes. But at the same but time, at the same time, America. What has America done to its history? America's. American movies are apparently what British people were focused on doing was putting their history into nursery rhymes. I guess because that's what this is like. Yeah, but even if you don't know the context of yeah. that, the fact that we're seeing to children that there's three blind mice, yeah. which is just weird, and now I'm questioning, but maybe happy for the representation of blind people in nursery yeah, it's rhymes, not but an like a weird, yeah, like it's not an empowering representation of the but blind. The fact that the the farmer's wife. Cuts off their tails with a carving knife. Um, that is about beheading mm. and dismembering. Um, okay. What she did to these um, church people. Can I give you one last thing yeah. about Three Blind Mice? The first ever James Bond movie is Doctor No, mm-hmm. and you know how most James Bond movies go. They open with, um, you know, James Bond on a little adventure, and then he says something funny, and then it, you know, there's like the big ba da da da, and then. You know, they do the theme song. Right. Right? Like, they usually open with the little circle and he turns and he shoots the camera and it goes, doom, 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 Then little tiny adventure and then, bam, they do the opening song, you know, gold finger or whatever. And then the movie starts proper and the movie is usually unrelated to what happened before the song. Well, the first movie, Dr. No, doesn't have a theme song. That's why there's no, you know, Dr. No. There's no, like, there's no song about Dr. No, partly because that would be a weird song. I guess, but so is Goldfinger. Yeah. Anyway, which, by the way, the rhymes in Goldfinger are trash. Such a cold finger. How long did it take you to rhyme Goldfinger with Coldfinger? Did you really come up with the best lyrics? <laughs> by the way, the end of the song Goldfinger is just Shirley Bassey, one of the greatest singers in the world, just screaming, he loves gold, over and over again. It's like, we get it. He likes gold. No, but really, he loves only gold. Like, those are the words. It's stupid. Same thing with Man with the Golden Gun. It just ends with the woman screaming, gold. Gun. It's dumb. Anyway, Dr. No doesn't have a fun theme song. They right. play a song. James Bond turns, shoots the camera, you hear, and you're hearing the James Bond theme song as they play the credits. And then it transitions into a Calypso version of the song Three Blind Mice. And like, instead of like the silhouettes of beautiful women and fire and guns and action, instead of any of that, there's no like silhouettes of pretty ladies. It's silhouettes of three men with like the stereotypical canes that seeing impaired people have just wandering across the screen to like the calypso rhythm of like three blind mice, see how they run, three blind mice, see how they run. And it's like, this is a... I take it back. I'll take Goldfinger. I'll take such a cold finger if it means we're going to get an improvement over this. Just And then there's like – there are characters in the movie referred to as the three blind mice. I believe it's been so long since I've seen Dr. No, but I think they call someone the three blind mice. Uh-huh. Point is, three blind mice is a weird it's song. It inspired weird. weird characters in Shrek. And weird characters in Shrek for sure. And um, it's just also weird that we're having children sing about murder, but also yeah. like that we're – again, there's a lot of – in these songs like – hurting or killing animals and i feel like it's something that should like scare children and is not fun well but at the same time 
what if a child starts hurting animals? But I feel as though children sometimes find like really dark things funny. They're like, oh my god, that's so random. Like that's hysterical, and like they're laughing, and you're like, yeah. okay, like why? Yeah, I so showed funny? a kid Schindler's List the other day. They were laughing at <laughs> no, it. but like that's horrible. I, I had an example of it that I thought like, okay, um, we're gonna talk about. Humpty Dumpty. I know you have a lot of feelings on that. Molly, I got a Humpty Dumpty hot. But the take. fact, like that, Humpty Dumpty, Humpty Dumpty sat in the wall and had this great fall and couldn't get pa- put back together again. Like kids find that probably like objectively funny. Like they're laughing yeah. at the thought of this, and you're like, "There's no reason this." Should this be fucking funny, egg but... getting reassembled, right? So, Molly, tell is me that a metaphor? Wait, real quick, is Humpty Dumpty? Do you know for a fact if that's a metaphor? Because they mentioned the king's horses and men. So, do you want to know what Humpty Dumpty's about? Well, first of all, I will just give my hot take real quick. Humpty Dumpty's not a fucking egg, and all you people are fucking idiots. Every fucking depiction of Humpty Dumpty, people have. I'm sorry, I am so sick and tired of people doing like this is like my dark, twisted version of Alice in Wonderland, where like things are dark and twisted. Like, shut up, reinterpret Humpty Dumpty. He's a fucking dude. No, think about the words. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. Where's the fucking egg in that? One guy, a hundred fucking years ago was like well i can't show a man being dismembered he'll be an egg because an egg breaks it's like you, humpty dumpty has to be a dude like obviously know, humpty dumpty is not a dude what is humpty dumpty Humpty Dumpty is uh, not an egg is he a statue humpty dumpty supposedly was a cannon that sat atop of this wall yeah um and after time the cannon yeah. fell and broke and they couldn't put it back together again and get back on top of the wall for protection is that really it? That's really what the it's only just a big that's cannon. the only theory there is about Humpty Dumpty. Huh. Okay. Um well, I don't remember I'll I'll look it up as you rant about Humpty sure. Dumpty. Sure. I just it, it it bugs me because it's like it's one of those things where part of me loves it and part of me hates it because I love um First of all, I really love that there are so many like wonderful things that are in the public domain. I being a hippie, I get a little antsy at the idea of corporations owning ideas or owning stories or owning images. And it gets kind of icky when corporations sort of put an image on a public domain character, especially Disney will do this, where, you know, Disney obviously has the most famous um, uh, adaptation of Alice in Wonderland. When you think of Alice in Wonderland, if you're an American or uh, someone who's seen a lot of Disney movies, you probably picture the Disney version of Alice in, you know, mm-hmm. but but Alice uh, from Alice in Wonderland, she was always described as looking that way. And indeed, in the 1930s, back when the Alice in Wonderland, the original illustrations, back when those were still under copyright, Disney had paid money for the for the rights to those particular illustrations. So the image of Alice in like a blue dress with a white apron, that's old. Alice with the ribbon in her hair, that's classic. But Disney, this is a true story, there there was some Disney merchandise at Hot Topic with this like beautiful, like sketchy, you know, very modern looking Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Well, Disney had just taken that from an artist online without consulting them. They basically stole this work of art from them. Because Disney kind of, I guess in a way, maybe felt that they own this character or maybe it was just an oversight by the person making the merchandise. But it's like this thing of like – they monopolize on an idea or on a public domain character. Snow White in our heads looks like Disney's Snow White. And so part of me likes that Humpty Dumpty is, you know, it's a totally free to use character. You can do whatever you want with Humpty Dumpty. 
and it's like this it's this really nice kind of public consciousness thing where we've all agreed he's an egg he looks like an egg and that is sheer interpretation of other people mm -hmm. and being able to use other ideas and build on their ideas and i like that but at the same time i dislike that people have never taken like a few minutes to question that image. Nobody's ever gone, well, could we reinterpret Humpty Dumpty? And right. I know that that's a very basic version, but it, there's a lot of stuff like this where people don't right. want to reapproach things. They just want to do like a dark and edgy version of it. Like, right. you know, this is a bad example, but like Puss in Boots, mm -hmm. Humpty Dumpty's in that movie and he is an egg. He has like a backstory and at the end he's a gold egg inside like the right. goose that laid the golden egg in Jack and the Beanstalk, which is in that movie. Like it's like other ideas, but it's just like he's always an egg. He's always an egg. I think it's because an egg is something that once you break it, you really can't put it back together again. But so are most things. Apparently uh, cannons. Well, so that's one thing. So that's the cannon that was on top of the church of uh, St. Mary at the Wall. Um, all in all, we're just another St. Mary in the Wall. Um, but there's other things that say that, like, you know, Humpty Dumpty is a slang for a clumsy person. Um, I don't really know which came first, though. So, like, the chicken or the egg. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, yo, Humpty, you're really funny looking. And then there's, like, cartoons. The cartoon of the egg, I believe it says, started as, like, a, a satire for, like, a, a king. Oh, yeah? Um, he was drawn as the egg, and it's kind of stuck since then. Now, okay, listen. This is weird. This is weird, and. I'm I'm not gonna remember which ones relate to which one. I've read a lot about nursery rhymes in the last um day. But there is going to be a person called Cardinal Wolsey. Okay. He is apparently the theory behind like every nursery rhyme. He was um an English uh cardinal of the Catholic Church, um, and he uh was the one that uh, like told King, uh, King Henry that he couldn't get divorced. Okay, so he is like the enemy of all of the nursery rhymes. Right. And I'm just gonna put that out there. So supposedly Humpty Dumpty could have something to do with the fall of him. Wouldn't that be kind of crazy if, like, in modern times, one of those people who was like very anti-Trump, like, became the subject of nursery rhymes? But it was like. It's interesting to think, like, I wonder if there was a very anti-the-king sentiment among the people, yeah. and we've just forgotten it because he was the person in power. Like, what if, like, in the future we have, like, nursery rhymes about, like, Kathy Griffin or something, just because she's a famous person who doesn't like Donald Trump? Maybe. Like, I, I, give me a minute and I'll write you a Kathy Griffin nursery rhyme. Please go to the next item. Um, so the next one I'm going to go to is Jack and Jill. So Jack and Jill, definitely one of the darker ones. Also in that Puss in Boots movie as like supporting antagonist. Yeah. So Jack and Jill, right, they go up a hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. I always, as a kid, because of how it was drawn in this book I had, thought that it was about a boy and a girl and the boy goes up and falls down a hill and his actual crown he has on his head breaks. Mm. And then as time goes on, you realize that crown means head and that Jack fell down and cracked his head open. And so when you think about that, it's a terrifying song, which you might be like, okay, that's to deter children from playing dangerously. And the, the danger is maybe of rolling down hills. Yeah. <laughs> but it, like, it's a, it's a weird song. Like it yeah. is. And, but, you know, kids are funny and we, we think it's funny when someone falls down. Right? No. No, see, this isn't about a boy falling down a hill, because why would it be? Yeah. There's not an exact known origin, but there's several ones that fit really great. Yeah. This is about, um, supposedly, 
our 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 buddies King Louis and Marie Antoinette. Mm. Oh, oh, I like that. So that's cool. The king was beheaded and lost his crown. Yeah. And then Marie was beheaded after him, and her head came tumbling after his. That makes I like that actually. Now, the problem with that is perhaps the pail of water. What would that represent? Because um, he was born into power, and she married into power. They were not actively seeking anything. I don't think that he certainly was no conqueror. You know, I don't think France was because the nursery rhyme to me implies a kind of hubris. And uh-huh. I know I'm speaking very seriously well, that about was Jack. The and thing. They're pretty hubris. This well, year. yes. I mean, let them eat cake is the ultimate kind of whether or not she actually said that is the ultimate, perhaps right. parody of her. Um, detachment and her misunderstanding yeah, I think it's of, like, about you going up and trying to for them it was a simple thing oh, i'm just gonna fetch a pail of water and then yeah. they were like nope guess what but it, to me it, i wonder if that if this theory is true and if it is about that i wonder if the pail of water maybe meant something to the french people uh at maybe. the time like maybe that was a, a there indicative is of other something? versions of this they also have like a pail of milk or um there's there's a lot of different versions of this yeah now a lot of people have also pointed out that's probably not what it's about because yeah. there's earlier versions of the rhyme that what happened before that happened. Sure. Um, but again, it could have been reinterpreted to mm-hmm. be that because the rhyme has changed so much over time. There's another um, – Obviously, it's about the ice cream company, Jack and Jill. There is – well, yes, of course. It's obviously about the Adam Sandler film. Right. That definitely came before The this. Jack and Jill box office. box office. Let me give you the chopstick plot on Jack and Jill. I can do an elevator pitch for Jack and Jill. It's Adam Sandler, but his sister comes to town. Guess who plays his sister? Adam Sandler. And guess who has to seduce Al Pacino to do a to do a Dunkin' Donuts commercial? Well, Jack's sister, but Jack's sister Jill, she doesn't want to do it. So Adam, Adam Sandler, Sandler one has to dress up like Adam Sandler two, and a butler adjusts his his boobs, his fake boobs, in a men's bathroom on a Carnival cruise ship because Carnival cruise ship and Dunkin' Donuts are going to pay for half of this movie, and it's going to be Bafo box office. It's a low risk for Sony. Because Adam Sandler, that's Bafo box office. That's a guaranteed return. It's a chopstick. I quit the voice. It's it's feeling hacky now. I'm gonna so, I'm gonna quit on that. <laughs> um. So this is also potentially about Bafo box office. Uh, Cardinal Wolsey, Wolsey, mm. um, Wolsey. I don't know how to say it. Um, about a marriage negotiation. Um, what? it could also be about the executions of Richard Empson and Edmund Dudley in 1510. I don't Didn't know Richard who that Epson is. Didn't Richard Empson play the, the Tin Man? I, Wizard of Oz? That's a funny joke for Danny. Okay. Buddy Epson was cast um, as the Tin Man in the Wizard of Oz. Another thing that is uh, one of the bigger theories is that it's uh, used to satirize um, an attempt by King Charles I to raise extra revenue by ordering that the volume of a jack, which is an eighth of a pint, um, be reduced while the tax remained the same, um, and that in this consequence, the jill, which is a quarter pint, um, came tumbling after. It, 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 that's what the next step was. Um, I don't know what that means because I'm not British, but yeah. that's for you British folk out there. Or we now, don't want to pay more for milk or whatever. There's a local belief in Somerset that the rhyme is actually about the events in this village of Kilmerstone. Where a local girl became pregnant, and then the father um, had had died from a rock fall. 
and then the woman died in childbirth. Um, so uh-huh. no matter what the explanation, this is not a happy song. This is I guess terrifying. Not. But I mean, to be fair, that is one of the ones that is outright like this child was injured and so was this other person. Now, granted, I feel as if it was never portrayed as a horrific injury. But Molly, you know what else means crown? Besides, you know, our head is a crown or a person wears a crown. Corona means crown. Mm-hmm. Ergo, the virus. Damn, did he break the coronavirus then? No, I think he crown? broke open a vial, which could... Oh, which released the A Pandora's box, if you will. Mm. Mm. Buffo box office, that's the chopstick plot. Let me tell you right now, it's a, it's an elevator pitch. I gotta do a quibby. I'll be back later, because I'm pitching a quibby. Because it's, it's pretty much, it's pretty much, you know, it's eight to ten minutes, it's a quibby. It's a quick bite. All right, Katzenberg wants to hear this, so I gotta I go. You, I thought you weren't doing the voice. No, I gave up. It's hacky. It's hack. It's old news. <laughs> Um, all right, Danny, let's think of uh, what terrible topic in a nursery rhyme do you want? Do you want death? Do you want sexual assault or racism? Well, I don't want to hear or talk about any of those things, but I guess I will take death first because death it's first? some somehow it's the most pleasant to hear about. Okay. So, death. Um, I do I do love a good story of death. Um, you know, oh my darling Clementine. Oh god. Look, I'll say it right now. The only thing good that this song ever gave us was the Scooby-Doo villain, the Minor 49er. Not even the name of the, the, the sports team, the 49ers. Nope. Nope. Just, just, you know, that Scooby-Doo villain, Minor 49er, who in the movie, uh, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, I think they switch Minor 49er and Captain, Captain Cutler's name around. I think they call them by the wrong names. Um, but I could be wrong because I haven't seen Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed in a whole 20 minutes. So don't quote <laughs> me on that. Um, so so tell me about My Darling Clementine. So, Anything? Oh, My Darling Clementine. Now, I will say this. This was one of my all-time favorites as a kid. Weirdo. Um, it was just so catchy because it's one of the very long ones. So it is a song. And that's because this wasn't just a nursery rhyme. Now, this is weird. A lot of the songs that are on nursery rhyme tracks that I found were like – they were actual songs. They were like, oh, this would be a good nursery rhyme. And they picked this one about death to be a good nursery yeah. rhyme. So, um, and it's sung in the accent always because the rhymes don't oh, work if it's darling, not. Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, oh, my darling, Clementine. You are lost and gone forever. Oh, my darling, Clementine. Excuse me. There are no rhymes. Oh, there are. What was the rhyme in that? Not in that. Um. What, what's the next part of it? So... Uh, let's see. Well, that was the, that's the chorus, but, uh, light she was just like a fairy and her shoes were number nine. Heron boxes without topses. Sandals were for Clementine. Oh boy. This is like a bucket, dear Henry, yeah, in it terms is. of its Which didn't make the list. Really? There's nothing there's dark nothing about dark that about one? That is that one. one literally just about a, a fussy That's boy? about a hole in a bucket. Oh, uh, see, now, can I try to interpret that one real quick while we're doing these? Go ahead. Okay. Um, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, a hole, and fix it, dear Henry. Hey, Liza and Henry, do you think that the characters in My Fair Lady are maybe named after that? I do. Okay, because I didn't know if. If that nursery rhyme was maybe after and it was like a reference to I've the hit new musical. I have no idea, but okay. I, I personally think that they might. I would bet that the nursery rhyme is older. 
But I don't know if it's related. It could just be that those were more popular. I don't ones. know. I never see that one come up. Um, Isn't the, is the guy in My Fair Lady named Henry? I'm pretty sure know. he is. I'm going to look that yeah, up. You look that up while I talk. What about if it? I just made that up and her name is just Liza? It sounded familiar to me. Um, so, Oh My Darling Clementine is about a miner's daughter who drowns and dies. I was and born it's not just that daughter. she dies, they really go into the grim details here. So, what happens is that her foot strikes a splinter and she falls into this foaming brine. Um, and, and this guy is like the lover of Clementine. Like, he's dreadful sorry. Um, he was, it's, it's so I, sad. I it's, just, lover of Clementine sounds like a slur. Like something yeah. you'd yell at someone that you viscerally hate. You lover of Clementine. <laughs> it does. Um, so this is the group. You details. preacher of false gospels. You lover of Clementine. Sorry, go on. <laughs> um. That was aggressive. This is how dark it gets. Um, ruby lips above the water, blowing bubbles soft and fine. Glass, I was no swimmer, so I lost my clementine. Um, and it just gets darker. We're going to now – so a lot of the times – Her name is It Eliza. stops there. Sorry. In the mo- – oh, okay. Her name is Eliza. His name is Henry Higgins, which is what oh, I thought. Could be. But her name is Eliza. I, I have no way of knowing if they're named after that because it's based on the play Pygmalion, I guess. Which I did not know, because yeah. um, isn't isn't Pygmalion the Greek, the Greek, Greek myth, myth where the yeah. guy brings the clay woman to life because he yeah, wants a perfect wife? I I don't know. I'm okay. sorry. I'm learning anyway. a lot about my fair lady. Please so, continue. It gets darker though. So most versions of the song that you'll hear as a song end there where she dies and he can't save her. But there's more um, that I didn't know and I found out today. Um, it's going to describe her very in-depth uh, grave in a churchyard near the canyon where the myrtle doth entwine. There grow roses and posies fertilized by Clementine. Ooh. Um, and then there's a really sad ending for her dad. Then the miner, 49er, soon began to peak and pine, thought he ought to join his daughter. Now he's with his Clementine. So her dad killed himself. And now it just gets creepy. Um, in my dream, she still doth haunt me, robed in garments, soaked in brine. Though in life I used to hug her, now she's dead, I'll draw the line. Oh, I don't like this. That sounds like the minor 49er uh, takes his own life because he's sad his daughter's dead. That's fucked yeah, up. Yeah, and then the, his, her previous lover is being haunted by her. And uh, then it gets weird. And then it ends. Um, how I missed her, how I missed her, how I missed my Clementine. Till I kissed her little sister and forgot my Clementine. Ooh, I gotta go. I gotta hail a pumpkin coach. Yeah, that's a. Uh... That's. Ugh. Yeah. So that's my darling Clementine, and it's dark. And why we're having children listen to that when we know it just is weird. I I can't. I I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, I'm sorry. From what I can tell, the there's, there's no a relation. hole in my bucket. There doesn't seem to be any relation, although it is interesting that it's Henry and Liza, which is close to Henry <laughs> and Eliza. Uh, it looks like the song was first published circa 1700. So, that is also one of my favorites. If you don't um, know, there's a hole in my bucket. It's a good one. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in my bucket, I hope I don't find out there's like something like hole... problematic with that one now. Yeah, it turns out it's, um, well, it's a German song, so for mm, all we know, it's, it's horrifying. You know them um, Germans. So I'm getting, this one's brief because there's not a lot to it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fucked. Um, do you know Goosey Goosey Gander? Is that like Dr. Goose? No. Goosey Goosey Gander, whither shall I wander? Upstairs, downstairs, in my lady's chamber. There I met an old man who wouldn't say his prayers. I took him by the left leg and threw him down the stairs. That one seems pretty cut and dry. Yeah. 
Um, that also well, sounds just, like Hamlet. To we're me. singing about throwing people downstairs. Well, hey, if you catch an old man um, in your wife's bedroom, right? And he's not praying. Well, oh, oh, down the stairs with it you. It says sir. there's like a lot about how during this time, like the had to say their Latin prayers in private because you couldn't say like the Latin prayers anymore, and yeah. something to do with that. But uh, I don't care about that part of this one. That's actually not a prayer. That's a random song called Omnia Soul that our chorus teaches us to make us sing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that one is just like, why are we singing to children about taking people and throwing them down the stairs? I think it's dark. Kyrie eleison, baby. I'm sure you'll feel this way. Have you always been creeped out by this old man? Yeah. Because that one is weird. I didn't look anything up around the background of this. I just think it's weird that an old man is playing knick-knack all over this this boy. Give a dog a bone. This old man came rolling home. But it's literally he played knick-knack on my 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 line, my shoe, my knee. I don't know if you remember health class, but if an old man sits next to you at the park and touches your knee, you need to call an adult. You do. Because that is a bad situation and you got to get out. I do remember as a youth, the specific example they would always use to illustrate creepy adults to us was you're alone at the park for some reason, even though you're six, and an adult man who's much too old sits right next to you and touches your knee. And that seemed to be as much as they were willing to be honest with us about adults being monsters. See, I don't. I remember learning about this in school. I'm pretty sure we learned about this in CCD. Oh, the choice. Which is probably because of all the they have yeah. to do something because of the molestations in the church. Well, that's interesting that they would feel like we have a responsibility to educate these children. But not, we're only going to have to do it, and we're not, never going to show it being a priest. Also, not willing to change the problem. Just like we should warn the kids. That's very yeah. emblematic of their treatment of that problem. I just remember them being like really emphasizing the fact that those kids had to wear helmets and knee pads on their bikes and stuff. Oh, yes. That was and like, also- do you ever see a kid wearing knee pads and elbow pads? Like, do you actually see that in real life anymore? Uh, no. Kids should wear helmets. I feel like that's a, like a minor precaution. But I, th- I've been, you know, during the quarantine times, all you can really do is either go for a walk or ride your bike. Mm-hmm. And sometimes no, I'll be like, I'll be driving around the neighborhood and like kids are literally, you know what I saw yesterday? What? One of... One of these youths mm-hmm. riding his bike down the middle of the road stood up on the seat and the handlebars like he was in an action movie. It was amazing. But he had no helmet. And I was just like, look, you're the coolest kid I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. No one's disputing that. You are the coolest. Th- that's the coolest motherfucker I ever saw, this 10-year-old kid. But goddamn, wear a helmet, boy. I am 23 years old and I still wear a helmet. You sound like you're in a commercial where you confess I, a sin. No. Well, I do, though. I still wear a helmet because I'm not – why am I going to drive a car with all this protection and wear a seatbelt? But I'm going to ride a bike with no protection and be like, yeah, like, it's okay if I fall out and get by a car. I'll crack my skull open. No, thank you. I'll look lame. I'll wear the helmet. I look really bad when I wear a helmet. I look re- – everyone looks really bad. There is no way to contain my hair within any kind of hat. Or helmet? You, you're, you couldn't wear a helmet. I don't think you could. You think your hair might be a helmet. I don't know. Like if, for yeah, like helmet. where they have the one of the shaped like their head. Because like, I don't know how you could even get one on my head. I have an abnormally large head. I know that you all probably could figure that out from the way I talk. I just seem like a weird kid with a big head and skin that's the color of milk. But I just I, – like I have a very large head. When I try to wear hats, it's always a no-go. And Yeah, anyway, uh, Molly, you want to give him another nursery rhyme so I can stop reflecting on my pitiful image? Um, sure. Okay. So, uh, 
let's just go right out with this one. Um, we there's a pretty racist uh, song that I didn't really know was racist because yeah. um, I've never heard it this way until recently. Um, Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Oh yeah, this classic when I heard, thing that we yeah. use to decide everything important. Mm-hmm. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch a tiger by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. The original version of this song. Molly looks visually uncomfortable, so I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll say it quick, so she doesn't have to. The original version of this song is catch. Uh, they use a slur rather than a tiger. They use the N word, which is obviously I don't need to tell you is a horrible racial slur and should not be used in either a charming children's rhyme as it is in the original version of and then there were none. Uh, nor should it be used in like a joking context by someone who does not have the societal privilege to say that, uh, that, you know, namely it should not be used by someone who's not black as part of their, you know, like, oh, I'm super funny. Let me use a racial slur. I know that that's right. only tangentially related to the rhyme itself, but like, you know, just in case you're out there listening and there's a chance I could change your mind, don't bother. It's, <laughs> you're not, you're not funny. It's, it's so. I th- so I should point out the original version of this song is not um does not include that the original version of Eeny Meeny Miny Mo is nothing like Eeny Meeny Miny Mo. Do you have it? Um, somewhere? it's okay. So it is weird. Yeah. It begins with Hannah Man Mona Mike Barcelona Bona Strike Hardware Frown Vinac. Harshio Warisko we wack. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> it was always burning since the world's been turning. Is that in another language? No, just... that was from New York. Oh, that's gibberish. Okay. Um well. from but there is um that's the first record of it, but there's a lot of other versions in other languages. And it became a the racial American version is um that w- was common was the one with that slur. Yeah. Um and so it was used actually in a chorus of a song in mm-hmm. 1906. It's it's a problem, and so I I've never known this. I use yeah. meaning my mode to decide a lot of things. And As a youth, that was everything. That was everything. And it's also in a lot of media. I don't think media has ever and, tried to. And there was always like the extended versions, which went into like if um, he hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, I my, my mother, mother said, says to pick the very best one, and you are it spells it. Yeah. Scooby Dooby Doo, I love you. The colors of the flag are red, white, and blue. I choose you. But then it's do you say I choose you, or was it red, white, and blue? I choose Y O U, depending on who you wanted to pick. Right. Anyway, we can't use that because it's apparently rooted in racism. And if you want proof of that, um, this actually ended up being a lawsuit about this because Southwest Airlines, a flight attendant, had um like. When everybody was like trying to be cool with their Ugh. flight attendant stuff, did an eeny meeny miny mo type thing, and um, someone sued them over it. They did ultimately lose the lawsuit, hmm. um, but it was a uh, an infliction of emotional distress lawsuit yeah. and uh, negligent infliction of distress. Um. So, I listen. That makes I I would I know that we as a culture, as an American culture, love to be like oh such a frivolous lawsuit. I know that that is a thing that our culture is obsessed with demonizing is the quote unquote frivolous lawsuit. Like people went really hard after that lady who was burned by the McDonald's coffee and they're like, she got a million dollars for getting burned by some coffee. First of all, it was a – just real quick. Let me just say my piece about this. She was was an elderly woman 
All right. She was severely burned by that coffee across her lap, as in her, her genital. She was severely burned. This elderly woman who was still a working woman at her age. Right. She was not a rich person. She did not get nearly as much money as the court decided she should get. It was later basically argued down for her to get a lesser amount. Plus, she had to pay all her legal fees and everything to these lawyers. McDonald's had received dozens of complaints about the temperature of their coffee being incredibly hot. This was not a unique problem to her. She was just one of the people to get like third degree burns from this coffee. So this is a known problem that they chose to ignore and then it ended up injuring this woman. And like the worst thing that came from it is that a mega corporation had to pay her money that meant nothing to them. There's some statistic about there about they made the amount of money that she was – the court was like, you should get this much money. And that much money – is like what they make selling coffee in an afternoon right. or something. It is some ridiculously small drop in the bucket of McDonald's profit, right? And and somehow McDonald's lawyers managed to spin this to the point where everybody jokes about like, oh, it's such a frivolous loss. Oh, you spill some hot coffee in your lap, you're going to win a million dollars, like that kind of thing. Like they made us anti that woman pro this giant corporation that doesn't need the money – it's absurd how like anti that person we are. And so as much as someone might go like, oh, can you believe it's ridiculous? They're trying to sue over eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You, you weren't there on that plane. Right. You don't know the exact version of this nursery rhyme being used. And you don't know how uh, much that corporation chose to ignore the person bringing this complaint. Maybe they just right. said like – maybe on the way off the plane, the person said like, hey, just so you know, that nursery rhyme is still very much fresh in people's minds as an offensive thing. And then they chose to ignore them. I don't know. I but, don't know. Well, you don't know. But anyway – that's the yes. r- root of that. Line. So, so yeah, maybe maybe knock off. Maybe the don't money sing any money well. So another, as far as we're going with uh, racism, Danny, remember the uh, nursery rhyme "Jimmy Crack Corn"? That one always felt racist. You know, I never really thought about it, but you know, it's very clearly racist. Um, oh. So for those of you who don't know, the chorus is "Jimmy Crack Corn" and I don't care. Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. Old Massa. Gone away. What? Yeah. Those are the other words to it? That's horrifying. Now, if you listen to a recording now, they'll say the master's gone away or old master's gone away. It's not said in that form, but yeah, the racist the racist language. Yeah. Yeah. So um the song actually um was really popular and became popular because of um blackface minstrel performances. So Jimmy Crackhorn absolutely cancelled. Um very racist. It's it's completely sung and written um in the, the offensive dialect yeah. and it's all about um a house slave where whose master dies and um some people say that it's like him singing like enjoy that his master has died and other people saying he's mourning it, it what it is it doesn't really matter yeah. but the lyrics are they're pretty horrifying horrifying yeah. and um basically this guy's master dies cuz he falls off a horse um because of the blue tail fly, I don't know. It's a it's a, a fly that would make the horses buck. Oh, okay. And um, it was like dangerous; it could kill yeah. you. But the horses bucked and threw him off the horse, and the master dies. Okay. But super racist. Um, Jimmy Crackhorn could be a reference to Jim Crow or yeah. things of that nature. Um, Jimmy, a, an offensive term or n- name for um black people around this time, which is why you also shouldn't be calling chocolate sprinkles Jimmy's, by the way. Oh, shit. Is that why that – is that why they're called Jimmy's? I don't know if that's why they're called that, but it's pretty commonly known that that's – you shouldn't do that. 
Really? I had no clue. That's hard. I mean, first of all, I call them sprinkles because I am a goddamn, I am a God-fearing American, and they are called They're sprinkles? They're called sprinkles? No, it's just, it's um, weird no, that people No, but people call, call chocolate sprinkles jimmies. And Is that Now, really? there are some people that call all kinds of sprinkles jimmies, yeah. but if you're just calling the chocolate sprinkles jimmies- You're really freaking me out. I had no clue. Yeah. I, wow. I mean, look- there are so many things, obviously, There's, all across America. It's all in, in our language. There's so much racism in our language. And yeah. clearly, not to go like all only talking about white supremacy here, but clearly we are singing songs to children yeah. that are outwardly racist. And we're, that's yeah. how ingrained this is in our culture. These are songs they had on a CD. Yeah. That they even sang in preschool and places like that that our grandparents sang to us. Like, Well, but also, like, I feel like cartoons and stuff. Cartoons. Use, like, Jimmy Crack Corn Absolutely. And, and when you see the depiction of this in a children's book, it would probably just be a person with corn. Like, realistically, that's what they'd show. Corn with some eyeballs on it or yeah. something. Yeah. And, you know. Holy shit. I'm sorry. The Jimmy's thing is really blowing my mind. I had no clue. That's amazing. I mean, first of all, I. But it makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. I'm now I'm glad I'm not one of those people who calls them Jimmy's, but like, that's so crazy. It, It really is ingrained everywhere. And like, you know, obviously something like that might not be actively hurting someone and might not require a huge change in language like words like dumb or or stupid or moron those have offensive roots even the word lame has an offensive uh you know origin but they're so divorced from their original meaning that it doesn't quite hurt anymore there are people who would argue that words like dumb or lame need to be removed from our vernacular and there are people who argue for the removal of them and and that's a that you know i think that's a valid position i think that that might not take hold in the public consciousness because they're so divorced from their meaning mm-hmm. but something like jimmy's is such a minor term that's it's so crazy that like you we, wouldn't make that connection right but you yeah. know like also like that's our privilege that we yeah that say we or that we yeah. would never think of that Obviously. um if you're interested in things like this at all um blair imani i think that's how you say her last name i'm not sure um but she's a black historian um she has been talking a lot you can um buy uh submit to her patreon to hear a lot about this um, just about our everyday language that really is not appropriate and yeah. uses black to mean negative and mm-hmm. things of that nature and just um, how to start using actually anti-racism language. It's it's pretty good. I, I would great. check her out. Yeah. Anyway, but so this song, it gets really messed up as it goes on. And basically, there's some things, if you think about it, it's so also to make it worse, it was also like originally Jim Crack Corn and not Jimmy Crack really? Corn. Um, yeah. So pretty close to this whole Jim Crow thing. Yeah. Um, but so it basically is saying, if you think about it, Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. Mm-hmm. The master's gone away. Um, he was a house slave and I guess got demoted to a field slave. And he's saying, like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, because um, I think supposedly he was accused of this man's murder, but he was able to get away with it because of using this blue tail fly defense. But it's it's really. This is honestly. He died and the jury. Well, I'm not going to say it like this because it's really not in proper English, but I'm going to use not offensive words. Yeah. Um, and he died and the jury wondered why. And then the verdict was the blue tail fly. Right. Um, yeah. This is in, like, this is going beyond just like, oh, it's old and the no. prejudices of the time of coming through. This is like insidious. Yeah, no, Which, it's you know, really... most racism is insidious, but like, you know, it's not like, I don't know, I, I guess there is no, like, well, no, there's like, there's minor racism that is important to correct as well. 
like calling Sprinkles Jimmies or something. Like that's a minor thing that technically society could progress without us changing something like that. You know, yeah, but, but this feels so, so insidious wrong. and it's like pinning murder on a fictional slave and using that offensive dialect. That's like, ooh, this we is We just icky. need to get yeah. rid of this song. Yeah. But I, it's I think we'll all be okay with that Jimmy Crack Corn. Yeah. I mean, um, now there is always the argument to be made of like, well, for historical purposes, you can't pretend these things didn't happen. But it's like, which is always the defense people use for like racist old cartoons and shit. Mm-hmm. But like, hear me out. Those racist old cartoons, the only way you can watch them now is to pay like a hundred bucks for like a DVD set that has all the Looney Tunes or all the Tom and Jerry's and they come with a warning. My favorite are the ones where Whoopi Goldberg comes out and she'll be like, you know, she's because Whoopi Goldberg has a very good like presenting tone to her where she's like to pretend these things didn't happen is wrong. But, you know, like, like I, I. I like – like that's an argument that makes sense. Like, yes, for history's sake, these should be preserved. We can't pretend that we were not a prejudiced people and that these cartoons we love don't have prejudiced origins. But like the song Jimmy Crack Corn, stop showing it to kids because we don't show the racist Looney Tunes right. anymore. We don't show the racist and Tom I, and Jerry's anymore. I don't anymore. know how often now this song is being shown. I haven't been in preschool for well, a while. I haven't while. been in preschool for a while, but yeah. um, I know it definitely was at our time. Just like maybe – like We don't know necessarily the whole yeah. origins of this, but clearly – it got to a point where it was being sung in minstrel performances, and yeah. so we should just be. I would assume that it was not written by a person of color. Yeah. I would assume no. that this was another insidious white person yeah. shitty thing. So, moving off of racism, um, let's go to sexual assault. Uh, I'm gonna leave the room. No, nope. <laughs> this is this one you got to know, and I'm wondering if you're gonna know it when I say the name. Do you remember okay. Georgie Porgy? Georgie Porgy. It's it's about a pie, right? No, nope, but that is a line. Oh, what? I, I've heard Georgie Porgy. Like, mm. I've heard that name, and I've definitely heard this nursery rhyme, but do you have the, the nursery rhyme Georgie up? Porgy, pudding and pie, kissed the girls and made them cry. And when the boys came out to play, Georgie Porgy ran away. Uh-huh. So, so that pretty clearly sounds like it's about assault. Right. So he kisses the girls. Yeah. He makes them cry. And when the – so when the boys came out to play, Georgie Porgy ran away. Yeah. Um. So if there are some versions, it's also when the girls came out to play, Georgie Porgy ran away. That sounds more familiar to me. But um, that version with when the girls came out to play, that sounds. I feel like I've heard that. Yeah, Georgie um, Porgy. This is very familiar. I've definitely heard this nursery rhyme before. Um, but yeah, I I can pretty clearly see how it that's was about. used as a taunt a lot, like to kind of bully people named George. Oh. Um, and. Yeah, I, I, and it's That's also like to talk. kind of Georgie Porgy putting in pie is to kind of like mock um, a heavy person. Yes, a heavy, a heavy I've person heard it and a context. not manly person. Oh, I've heard it in the context of calling someone overweight or like fat shaming someone. That's how I've always heard Georgie Porgy because it it you know it sounds like pudgy or something or like gorge. It, mm. so, it sounds like yeah a fat shaming term. Um, and it is, and it's also um. Depending on, again, like the versions you use, um, sometimes it's also roly-poly, pumpkin pie, kiss the girls and made them cry. Is that what roly-poly is from or is that just another phrase? I don't know. Um, Yeah, so it could be used to taunt a a guy who likes girls, um, even though he doesn't seem manly. Like, like, it it could be a lot of things, but the lyrics themselves are creepy. Are, are creepy and um, what you call it? They're very sexual assaulty. 
Yeah, so it's like a little a little creepy. Yeah. If you're kissing girls, you're making them cry, and then like when the rest of the boys are coming out to play, you're running away because you're afraid they're going to beat you up. Like there's there's a lot of different potential origins. I'm going to have to one. Google this in a second, but um, maybe that's why that movie is called Kiss the Girls. Do you remember there was a movie, the creepy movie with Morgan Freeman? Yeah, it was, that was my first rated R movie I ever saw. I just remember that movie and like the Bone Collector being like they were kind of like. They almost felt like they were trying to be what the movie Seven was, yeah. which also has Morgan Freeman in it. Like, the, they felt like they were going for that same tone of, like, this is just a grim murder story with some detectives. Mm-hmm. Like, Kiss the Girl. Maybe that's why it's named that? I have to maybe. look that up. I don't know. I'm going to look up that movie. Because I was always like, what does this have to do with the beloved I song from The Little terrified. Mermaid? That was not a good first rated R movie to see. Um, okay. So, I'm going to I'm gonna try to bullet through some of these. Um, uh, the song, uh, what you call it? Molly Malone. It's not a nursery rhyme. It's again, it's an Irish folk song that, or like just really an Irish song that got turned into a nursery rhyme. Um, it's about this girl, Molly Malone. Um, shout out to all the Mollies out there, uh, who sells mussels and cockles alive, alive, oh. Um, and she dies and, um, she basically, and that's just a song about her dying. And there's just the classic line that was the end of Sweet Molly Malone. Uh, believe she got a fever and died. Um, but I love that song. It's a catchy song. I love it. But a lot of children's songs ending in death. We didn't need to convert that one into a nursery rhyme and include that on nursery rhyme CDs. It's a good song by itself for adults in the folk genre. Oh, my voice cracked there a little. Okay, so Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had a wife and couldn't keep her. You know that one? Peter, yeah. Um, okay, so... Supposedly, I cannot sustain substantiate any of these claims. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater is about this man who uh, went down on his wife and she was unpleased. She could not keep him, so she went to go and uh, be pleasured by other men, so he put yeah. a chastity belt on her. Um, I can't remember the second line of that one right now, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, he. It, it's, that it's makes a lot of sense, creepy. and I'd like to submit that since most slang terms for vagina are very unpleasant and rather misogynistic in their tone, a lot of slang words for vagina, mm-hmm. I move that we start calling vaginas pumpkins because it's a. It's listen, it's still a food related thing. It still works in our modern vernacular. It still starts with a P U mm-hmm. letters. So like. You know, so it's a it's a more pleasant synonym, and I just think that'll work. Like we just start talking about pumpkin all the time, yeah. Which like maybe seems odd now, but give it like twenty years, because like you know, all the words for penis are weird. Like <laughs> I like pumpkin. Cock means rooster. Like That's and a good and word. Dick is just that guy who used to host New Year's Eve before Ryan Seacrest took over the other Dick. Anyway, yeah, that's right. I'm taking a hard anti Seacrest stance. I know that this is an episode where we're talking about a lot of depressing stuff. But now's the time for me to launch my anti-Ryan Seacrest campaign. Anyway, I found the rest of the verse. I wanted to find oh, it because it was God, important. thank God, before I burned uh, any more bridges with problematic celebrities. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had a wife and couldn't keep her. He put her in a pumpkin shell, and there he kept her very well. Um, Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had another didn't love her. Peter learned to read and spell, and then he loved her very well. Oh. Yeah, it's a weird one. Uh why are I don't know why this is a song? Why are children's nursery rhymes and songs just so creepy? Bizarre, creepy origins, but they just are bizarre. Um, okay, this one 
is not necessarily wrong, but I think it's dark. Um, it's raining, it's pouring, the old man is snor- snoring. And now this next part is really, really critical to me. Yeah. Now, it's raining, it's pouring, the old man is snoring. Some versions say he bumped his head and went to bed and couldn't get up in the morning. Other versions say he went to bed and bumped his head and couldn't get up in the morning. Yeah. So one of those to me means like you fell out of bed and the other means you bunked your head and so now you're going to bed. Now, could you not get up in the morning because you're tired and groggy or could you not get up in the morning because you slipped in the rain, fell, bumped your head, like had a concussion and died? I, as a child, thought it was... Either a coma or death. Yeah. I, it, there was no happy version of this to me as a child. Um, and somehow all of this got tangled in, like, the knick-knack, paddywhack, give a dog a bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's raining, it's pouring, the old man is snoring, bumping his head. All of this was, like, one long nursery rhyme to me. Yeah. Even though they're not connected and they don't have the same rhyme scheme. Well, I will say this. A lot of the nursery rhymes do have similar tunes. And sometimes when I'm singing one, I combine mm-hmm. them. And I think I've done this over time or most likely our Nana did this and that's why I have this oh. wrong. So there's the two there, there were two rhymes. There's here we go around the mulberry, mulberry bush and pop goes the weasel. And I always thought pop goes the weasel went all around the mulberry bush. The monkey chased the weasel. The monkey thought. It's not. It's all around the cobbler's house. Or all around, like, other things. It's never the mulberry bush in any version I've found. Really? But all I remember is all around the mulberry bush. Now, that's, but, what's crazier? Yeah. If that's in there, fine. If th- – there's the other song, All Around the Mulberry Bush. Do you remember that one? How does that one go? Um, Here we go around the mulberry bush, the mulberry, mulberry bush, the mulberry bush. bush. Yeah, okay. Here we go around the mulberry bush so early in the morning. I've heard that with other words, though. The mulberry bush, Danny? There are no mulberry bushes mulberries grow on trees oh that's like how a banana tree is just a very tall herb (laughs) it's bizarre it's bizarre now the mulberry bush song interesting um apparently in female prisons in some country at some point in time um there was a very famous mulberry tree that the female prisoners would like go around and go in a circle to exercise and um if you think about it it does sound a little like prison labor because if you don't know all around the mulberry i mean here we go around the mulberry bush is a song like detailing how people do chores yeah so it's um this is the way we wash Wash our clothes clothes, wash our clothes wash our clothes clothes. this is the way we wash our clothes so early in the the morning. morning that's the one i was thinking i was thinking yeah, of the that's a first. other yeah. yeah so um prison labor song question mark i don't know i here's the thing is that because these are songs that are just passed down through oral tradition first of all i feel like all around the mulberry bush the monkey chase the weasel is that an idiosyncratic thing in our house i feel like i've heard other people do it that way i don't know but here's the thing about that Round song okay now the, the monkey chasing the weasel yeah. There is more versions of this than yeah. I think any the other one that I thought. The monkey stopped to pull, pull up, up his socks. Pop, pop goes Louisa. We've the monkey thought it was all in good fun because we couldn't remember. We, we couldn't were youths remember. and we if couldn't you, remember. Please tweet us. Please. I'm begging yeah. you. If you made it this far in the podcast, if you listen, if you don't ever tweet us anything else for the rest of your life, please tell me what you remember the words to the monkey – uh, to Pop Goes the Weasel was. Please. Because as far as I re- – I don't know what I thought it was. Right. But there's so many different versions and – some of them make it one long song, and some of them don't, because there's a penny for a spool of thread, a penny for a needle, but then that's the way yeah. the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. Well, there's the original versions, which is in England. Right. Most of them have the, you know, half a pound of tuppany rice, half a pound of treacle. That's yeah. the way the money goes. Pop 
goes Louise. You know, yeah, which, there's oh, a lot me of that, but. a lot of different uh, different versions of the monkey pulling yes. up his socks. Different things about who the monkey is chasing. Yes. As if the monkey and the weasel are in tandem together, or one is angry at the other. It's kind of yeah. It's oh boy. But uh, according to Wikipedia, the second and third verse of the British version is every night when I go out, the monkey's on the table, take a stick and knock it off. Pop goes the weasel up and down the city road in and out the Eagle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. So that's the second and third verse of the British version. Now the American version is all around the cobbler's house. The monkey chased the people. Right. And after them in double haste, pop, pop goes, goes the, weasel. the weasel. Then there's all around the cobbler's house. This is um, apparently Laura Ingalls Wilder, the author of right. Little House on the Prairie. 1873. I'm sure you know all this already because you've yeah, been researching. Yeah, I read this today. Okay. But go on. But all around the cobbler's bench, the monkey chased the weasel. The preacher kissed the cobbler's wife. Pop goes the weasel. A penny for a spool of thread, another for a needle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel, right? right? 1901 in New York, they go all around the chicken coop. The possum chased the weasel. The most recent version was not recorded until 1914. So that version is all around the cobbler's bench. The monkey chased the weasel. The monkey stopped to pull up a sock. Or the monkey stopped to scratch his nose. Or the monkey fell down. And oh, what a sound. Pop goes the weasel. Now, here's what I thought when I heard the one about yeah. the chasing the people. And I thought this earlier today. No, is we- Pop goes the weasel like a gun popping? And I'm shooting like that weasel of a guy. Like and not, It's not an actual weasel? You're plugging a weasel, you see? Yeah. He's like, getting a cap. That's what I'm thinking. Mm. I don't know. I just Real accidentally quick. drew on the table. Another common version. Mm-hmm. So this is this was not our uh, Nana being crazy. All around the mulberry bush, the monkey is chased the weasel. There? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, there are many other American versions, though. Um, and then, of course, there's this, the many interpretations, which you've been mentioning. Oh, I'm so glad that you found a version with the mulberry bush, because yeah. I really thought that my whole life was a lie. Please tell me your favorite version of the mulberry bush. E- I mean, of... <laughs> Pop goes the weasel. Well, I kind of dig this cobbler's bench shit that I've never heard before. That Laura yeah. Ingalls Wilder was, was yeah. sort of busting out in her little little home on the prairie books. Because like, wh- like the the monkey is chasing people, which is the most mind blowing <laughs> yeah. revelation I've ever had. That the monkey would not be chasing the weasel, and that the weasel is just an element introduced in the last line of song. Think of it as a story. Yeah. Like, this is a story. It picture me. Then, man, a weasel comes out of nowhere. Like, this is a story I'm telling you. A monkey was chasing us around the cobbler's <laughs> bench, and then out of nowhere, this fucking weasel comes in. Like, what? As a story, right. it structurally, to me, of course, makes more sense the version I've been hearing all my life. Right. But when you think about how it's used, typically for a jack-in-the-box, right. the weasel popping out is a totally unrelated element to right. anything on the jack-in-the-box. Like, you're just cranking a box, and then right. this joker comes out of nowhere trying to fuck with you. Usually he has machine guns in his hands, and you have to throw a batarang to chop off his head. Right. I mean, that's my experience with jack-in-the-box. Of course. Um, no, I, I please tell us yeah. your favorite version, the lyrics you heard as a child. I somehow never heard this monkey stop to pull up his sock thing, but I also feel like I didn't hear the monkey thought was all in good yeah, fun. Yeah, so I don't know what, what I thought hearing? it was. I have yeah. not even a clue, but who knows? Because it has to be that, because I've not seen anything else for this movie. I know, before. nothing else has seemed familiar to me. But let us know what you think. I, that one wasn't a dark one, yeah. but it was tied to the Mulberry Bush prison labor, so I thought yeah. I'd bring it up. Um, I'm going to tell did you some prison labor. Pop my weirdest one for me as a child because I didn't know – I still don't know why it exists. Do you know John Brown Baby? No, but is this related to the historical figure John Brown? Apparently 
Yes. This okay. is one of those examples of, you know, we like the song, but maybe the subject matter is not totally appropriate. Let's just change it. Right. So the Real song quick, God. I'm gonna open this soda and I don't want people if they're driving in their car to think that they've like popped a tire popped or something. Tire. Okay, so God. I'm Today's gonna open soda I'm gonna open. crack a brew. Oh, did you hear that, bro? <laughs> hear that fizz? That's a cold one. It's a Diet Coke. And just um, for the taste of me, Diet Coke. I've sang that in like eight of these episodes. You have. You- <laughs> He's only done six and I, I've, I've sang it in eight episodes. Do you know John Brown Baby? Um, it's John Brown Baby? John Brown's baby. John Brown's baby? Maybe John Brown. Yeah, it's John, no. it's John Brown's baby. Can't but I always it. thought it was John Brown Baby. Like his name was John Brown Baby. So this song, do you know it? No, please regale me. John Brown baby had a cold upon his chest. John Brown's baby had a cold upon his chest. John glory, Brown's glory, ba- hallelujah. Yes. So here we are. And they rubbed it with camphorated oil. That's the song. That's the fucking song. Yeah. And if you listen to it as a child on your little nursery rhyme CD, that's all they'll sing. You're like, what the hell is this? They're thinking about a sick baby and rubbing oil on it. Now, John Brown's baby had the whooping cough. This the is... Originally called John Brown's Body. Oh yes, no, I have heard this. Yes, this in history class we we learned about this John Brown's Body, but I have not heard the regular nursery rhyme version. But now that you've said that, I have heard this. They changed it to John yes. Brown's Baby. That's crazy. Um. Wow. It's. Insane. I had no clue. It's insane. Now it is also. Um, glory, glory, hallelujah. The Battle Hymn of the Republic. Yeah. Um. So it's the same tune, and definitely the best version is the Battle of the Republic. Okay, because... that for real though, I am not like you've heard. I have no pride in my state right. or my nation or anything. But that song like gets like gets me emotional. Like hearing like when you hear like a chorus of people <laughs> singing, you know, I have seen the glory of the coming of you the Lord. You feel very powerful singing it. it. Makes, I like, to like point out. I get why it's the Battle Hymn of the Republic. It makes you want to go like fight racists on a dirt field in the middle of nowhere like it makes you want to like stand up for your fellow man and like shoot some confederate idiots like it's so good like it really builds up and then like you hear like all the southern music from the war and you're like hey you guys were gonna lose like (laughs) like your music is shitty (laughs) like which you know look i'm not holding it against country music let me be clear i'm just talking about like nothing from civil war times stacks up to the glory hymn of the republic right they're down there doing their racist jimmy crack corn bullshit we're up here with like the 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 righteous anger of the lord and his like flaming sword of his angels like <laughs> i'm not a religious man but that's powerful imagery <laughs> that's right? good it's a, like it is actually kind of stirring to hear that song there's a version of that song by uh, a musician named Luke Ski that's all about like horror movie villains mm-hmm. and it's called it's you know it's gory gory hallelujah which uh. is like you know it's like Freddy Krueger or whatever but for some reason the words from that version got stuck in my head for a really long time and I forgot <laughs> the real words and so like I would you'd hear that tune and like you know because it's in the public domain it's in cartoons and shit right like I would just in my head I'd be like singing about like Freddy Krueger which I'm trying to remember the words um please do your thing well <laughs> Just is a song about John Bread, uh, John Brown's dead body. Mm-hmm. John Brown, so it goes: John Brown's body lies a moldering in the grave. John Brown's body lies a moldering in the grave. John Brown's body lies a moldering in the grave. His soul's marching on. Yeah, that. Yeah, I've heard this. Like I really have, and I, I sound like I'm, I'm. And it goes into a little bit of the Battle of the Republic. He's gone to be a soldier in the army mm. of the Lord. He's gone, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so 
pretty crazy, I think. Uh, there's a lot of versions of this song, though. They love this tune. They love this idea of we're going to repeat th- something three times yeah. and just throw you something, uh, a new bone at the end. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of, there's a way to sing it about Jesus. Um, there's combining John Brown's knapsack is strapped upon his back. His soul is marching on. And then for whatever reason, we just jump to that. His baby is sick <laughs> and they're rubbing it with camphorated oil. Molly, maybe we as a nation needed to foster the revolution which John Brown attempted to start. We need to fight back. We need to care for his baby because it is sick. It is dying and we as a people must stand up and fight. John Brown, the uh, quote-unquote hero of Harper's Ferry. That's, yeah, I mean, look, someone had to do some fighting. Someone yeah, had to do some he, shooting. He's an abolitionist. To, you try know. To, to try to end slavery, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, you, know. so you know, anyway. Look, not everyone a, needs to be deified. It's a weird song, though. Yes. Like, it was weird. It's dark. Why are we singing about dying babies? But masking that it's actually a song about the father's dead body. I've remembered the Freddy Krueger lyrics. Go ahead. That Luke Ski made up. So, again, Luke Ski is a musician. He, he wrote this. It's, um, a lamp on Elm Street leads you to a creepy boiler room where a burned up child murderer escorts you to your doom. I don't remember the part that comes after that. But and then I just, you know, it goes into gory, gory, hallelujah. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's good. Um, but then it goes on to like, you know, there's one about Jason Voorhees or whatever. And I don't remember who the third. It's probably like Leatherface. Just, you know, 80s movie monsters. Um, yeah. That's kind of a super tangent because it's <laughs> – that's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon away from the top. <laughs> but hey. But it, but it worked. Is um, it six degrees or five degrees? It's six. It's six. Really? Because I, I watched a video like essay recently mm-hmm. where someone said five degrees of Kevin Bacon. Maybe, wrong. maybe and I was like, maybe they only needed five. Maybe Kevin's the sixth degree and you get five other people? I, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Let's not discuss um, this. So there's – so I'm going to just touch on this one. There's not much to it. There was an old lady who swallowed a fly. Nasty song. Um, It's gross. She swallows a fly and perhaps she'll die. And then I believe in a lot of versions she does die at the end. I feel like she did because she and swallowed a horse at one yeah, point and like, there's no coming back from it, that. I love the song and it is silly. So like I'm not saying like we shouldn't sing this one to sure. kids, but I do think it's a little... I was very afraid of swallowing there a bug was, after this. There was a lot of repercussions yeah. to her simply swallowing a fly. There was a really like nicely illustrated children's book version of this. I love that one. I know exactly what but you're talking about. But there's some real body horror to the image of an yeah. elderly woman whose stomach is so distended because it has a horse and a dog and a cat or whatever. Yeah. Going off of the old women, do you remember Old Mother Hubbard? Um, See how well you can recall that. Old Mother Hubbard, oh, she went to the cupboard to see that her cupboard was bare. You're doing pretty good. Um, is that the, that the old woman who lives in the shoe sends her kids to bed without any bread? Yeah, so I didn't what even old touch mother... on I didn't even do that one, but yeah, like that one's fucked I up. I just remember there's like some, I think it's amazing Spider-Man, he's trying to curse and he goes, ah, Mother Hubbard. Hubbard yeah. yeah. Old Mother Hubbard went to her cupboard to see that her cupboard was bare. What's you're next? You're skipping it a bunch. Oh, okay. Old Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard to give her poor dog a bone. When she came there, the cupboard was bare and so the poor dog, dog had none. And that's where I kind of always thought it had ended, but there's so much more. She went to the baker's to buy him some bread. When she came back, the dog was dead. She went to the undertaker's to buy him a coffin. When she came back, the dog was laughing. Really weird rhyme choices. She went to the butcher to buy her some meat. When she came back, she lay dead at her feet. She went to the undertaker's for a coffin and shroud. When she came back, oh, this is a version of the cat. The puss sat up and meowed. So there's like a bunch of different versions with right. a bunch of different lyrics and this is one of those songs that like can go on for forever with all these crazy things that the dog did yeah but um there's essentially a dog that she doesn't have food to feed and then he's dead but then he's alive and um i think like 
There, I gotta find. I gotta look up the the last verse. Yeah, I gotta give real quick. This song is fucked up because it's about a dog gaslighting its owner into madness. Like I don't care for that as a plot element, <laughs> but I have to say that I like it a little bit more than I used to because I'm very depressed by nursery rhymes that are written about poverty, poverty. because that's a real yeah. like fear of mine from childhood of like being poor and and desolate and things and starving to death. Like that's a genuine like fear of mine and like a a source of anxiety for me. And so like anytime like old mother, uh, not old mother, the old lady who lived in the shoe who didn't have any bread to feed the kids. So she sends them to bed hungry. Like that was like viscerally scary to me or like the Mickey Mouse Jack and the Beanstalk where they're so poor that they're slicing the bread into bits and they're about to, Donald's about to kill their cow. Yes. They slice a a lima bean. The bread is so thin. You can see through it and stuff like that was genuinely depressing to me. And he like to, Pic- any like mm-hmm. serious even semi-serious depiction of poverty so like the fact that in the nursery rhyme she does have the money to go buy him bread and she just had run out of food yeah like that's a lot better and she has like money for a coffin and the dog's just fucking with her like i kind of dig that the dog is beyond fucking with her and it comes to a point where i'm pretty sure he like becomes the owner so this is what happens it goes oh, on like and that. on and on and on so she went to the hoisers to buy him some hose when she came back he was dressed in clothes the dame made a curtsy the dog made a bow the dame said your servant the dog said bow wow this wonderful dog was dame hubbard's delight he could read he could dance he could sing he could write she gave him rich dandies wherever he fed and erected this monument when he was dead honestly this is like my new favorite nursery rhyme because it's not racist it's not about a, a, a murderer or a, a, a rapist or anything. It's just like this dog. Okay, yes, it's fucked up that the dog is gaslighting his owner, but fuck it. Like it's working for him. And you know what? Dogs in real life are not capable of gaslighting yeah. you the way people are. So fuck it. If this dog like becomes, it's like Planet of the Apes. This this nursery rhyme is like dogs take over the planet. Like fuck it. That's pretty dope. It is. I don't like that the song version that you often hear, though, doesn't go into all that. Yeah. It's just that the cupboard was bare. Yeah. And then like the, the fact that the dog is potentially dead for a moment, a little scary. Yeah. Um. Like okay. E. This one, I never knew. Do you know Mary Mary Quite Contrary? Mary Mary Quite Contrary? I just have heard people say that. Okay. And I don't know what it is connected to. The next part is, how does your garden grow? With bluebells and cockleshells and pretty maidens all in a row or something. Hmm, that's familiar, but I don't remember it. Okay, well, you might also be thinking of the jump rope song, bluebells, cockleshells, E-V-I-V over. Maybe. Maybe. Now, it's going to ruin it for you. Ready? This song, quite simple. I always thought it was about gardening advice. Yes. It's not. It's about Mary. The, 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 the queen oh, of Scots. Oh, the queen of Scots. Okay. So, um, Mary Mary has your garden grow. Um, actually, it's talking about like a graveyard, basically. Oh, I was thinking about the potato famine, but that's a oh, different time in history. No. And it's Ireland, not uh, Scotland. Yeah. Well, so bluebells and cockleshells. <laughs> really stupid. You are. I was the wrong place. You were so ready. The wrong time. <laughs> so ready for a potato famine. I'm so stupid. Uh, I'm sorry. Maybe the Scots were like rubbing their potatoes in the Irish The Scots face. were rubbing, like, look at all our potatoes. Oh, no, but that's how Irish. How does your garden grow? Give us Mary, potato advice. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. We're starving to death about a hundred years apart in history. So, I read more one thing, which I've Long, never heard before. I don't think it's substantiated, but this is just on the internet in case you're wondering. Someone said that contrary can mean a murderous psychopath. <laughs> and that made me laugh. Um, but uh, Mary Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow with bluebells and cockleshells? Bluebells and cockleshells apparently are um, items of torture <laughs> and not things that grow in gardens. You know, I got to tell you, Molly, I just – I feel like we should bring back for the for torture device. I just feel like cockleshell is yeah, so good one. evocative of what it would be. 
yeah. then we should really bring that one back. And maybe a pumpkin shell while we're at it. I, <laughs> I think it's just crazy. Like, that's just a song about murder and torture. That was a dirty joke that would take math and remembering for you to understand. I'm sorry. I got it. Please pumpkin. continue. I got you. Um, yeah, no, that one really I thought was terrifying because mm-hmm. that literally there's no indication in there that it's about anything weird like that one sounds normal but to you be know? fair i mean yes that one on the outside like three blind mice is obviously a sort of extraordinary subject right um or or you know peter peter pumpkin eater like that even has right. a weird element to it there's a weird element to it. this is pretty his wife normal is this him. is about gardening yeah but no it's about murder um Crazy. It's great. And so many of these are British origin, um, which is interesting to me. Like, It makes sense to me because American culture is is pretty much popular culture. Yeah. Like, you know, our history is as, as a nation, not as a landmass. Obviously, Native Americans have a rich history and tradition. But right. the concept of Americans is such a newer thing yeah. that all these nursery rhymes are like from like the 1700s. When and we even were still some of them, which yeah. is crazy. I just I think it's amazing they made it over here, um, and inter- that they're here to this day. Yeah, but I do like like uh, you know American legends or American folk tales or whatever. They're they're all sort of minor, I guess. Like you know Johnny Appleseed is a thing we all know and have heard about. Yeah, but it's not such a big thing in our consciousness, I guess. I get but that. like these nursery rhymes are kind of universal almost. It's a less significant – I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going. It's just that there's – um, like, I, I guess I'm interested in, like, if other cultures outside of, like, boring European people have nursery rhymes and if they are equally fucked up. Yeah. Like, some of these are from other languages. Like, uh, what was it? Um, Jack some, and Jill? Yeah, there's some – Oh, no. The Hole in My Bucket, Dear Liza, that's right. a German, German thing translated into English, or some of these are from, you said one of them was translated from French, I think? Yeah, there's yeah. like a lot of different languages. Um, I don't know, though. But those are all like European, European. boring white people. I'm talking about all like, as political. I mean, I know that everyone's got like folk tales and things like that. Everybody so. has legends and stuff from yeah. their own culture, but I'm just interested to know if like this whole like rhyming scheme to children for the specific purpose yeah. of telling them something fucked up, I'd be interested to learn about like... You know, if if that is equivalent in in other uh, cultures and different groups of people, and if they like, d- do we always tell children horrifying things? Like, is that just a universe? I like, think it is. We thing? do. Well, the, if you look at fairy tales, they are very grim in their origins, and there is this idea. Um, at least I, I am quoting Doctor Spencer Reed here from Criminal Minds. Oh, a I didn't do my source. own um, research. That the thought was, if I tell you something scary in a fairy tale, you're, it gives you a place to confront your fears. Oh yeah. Um, and then instead of just being afraid of these mystical things, like you see, you see the terror right there in front of yeah. you. Like the wolf eats the grandma, yeah. and like you have to face that. And so I'm like terrified that. of a wolf eating our grandmother. Um, thank God um, she passed from this earth without ever having to endure wolf eating. Yeah, really. I think that that was just the first like war was like, ooh, they ate the grandma. It's so it's, it's nasty. Sad. I, I, I got to be honest with you. Little Red Riding Hood was a fairy tale that I was so cool with until that part. Until that part. Because I hate the ending because it's just like an, an unimportant character we've never met before bursts in through the window and chops a motherfucker into pieces to get a grandma out. That's fucked up because Little is. Red gets eaten. Like it would be they- more – Effective if Little Red was the one chopping, chopping open this up. woman, yeah. 
Um, okay, so that Sorry. is actually, I think, kind of a perfect segue to this. And you're, might, you might not know why, but this one, I've always thought this was creepy and weird. And if you remember this nursery rhyme, you're going to think it's creepy and weird. Whole other level, I didn't know. Do you remember Sing a Song of Sixpence? Yeah. How's it go? Um, attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. His skin was <laughs> hell in his eyes. No, um, fuck. I I know what you're talking about. Is this the, if you haven't got a hay penny, then God bless you, or did I? No. Oh, that's another song. I don't know what that is. That might be from a Sing musical. a Song of Sixpence, A Pocket Full of Rye. Four and twenty blackbirds. I hate this type of number. Put them in a pie? Baked in a pie. Okay, yeah. When the pie was open, the birds began to sing. Wasn't that a dainty dish to set before the king? The king was in his counting house, counting out his money. The queen was in the garden, eating bread and honey. The maid was in the garden, hanging out her clothes, and down came a blackbird and pecked off her nose. Okay, I gotta tell you, this sounds like one of those riddles Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, the maid worked every day except for Sunday, (laughs) and she got the mail, but the mail doesn't come on Sunday. Like, you know, that's the kind of thing. It does sound like that. It now, sounds like I'm supposed to be piecing this together, which I refuse. It does to. sound like a mystery, and you, the way I'm saying yes. it is, and it's it is weird that I have these memorized. You were rattling it off like in a movie, the way they represent. They always represent <laughs> yeah. like a person who's gone mad. Yeah. You know, like in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, John Hurt has been driven mad by the skull, and he's like, two rivers meet in the woods. The woods diverge. Yes. The verging woods. There's a tap. The tap is red. Red is green. Green is over. I Whatever. have in fact gone a little mad. Get him a pencil and no, a piece of you're paper. You're gonna go mad in a fucking second. Oxley, so draw obviously, me a map. I always. I always thought the dark part of this was that these birds pecked off this fucking woman's nose. A la Cinderella, where the birds peck out the sister's eyes. Right. So maybe this is where my fear of birds comes from. Um, and the other creepy part was that we were baking live birds into pies. That could then sing that from could within sing, the right? pie. So I've always wondered why that mm-hmm. was in there. Today I found out. You ready for this? This was a real motherfucking thing. What? The idea of baking birds into pies while they're alive so that when you cut them open, they fly out a real thing. This is comes from motherfucking France because where else would this come from? Sounds German. It's, it's French. That's so right. I hate the Germans. This was in a French fucking cookbook. This idea of, so they don't have Julia to, fucking child. Yes. That piece of shit. I never should have done Julia and Julia. I shouldn't have followed that fucking block. Fuck you, Amy Adams. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course, James. Uh, Amy Adams, friend I'm of sorry. the show. 15th century, uh, I believe, um, cookbook. No, so this concept, so the French ha- have a thing, which I can't pronounce the word. It starts with an E, which is like dessert, but it goes between meals. And there was this idea that we could per- put live birds into a pie. Yeah. And then someone will try to cut it open and all these birds will come flying out. That'll be a hysterical surprise. Mm-hmm. And that was printed into this cookbook. If it was actually done, if the birds somehow they survive while you bake it, I don't know what the deal is. How they don't peck through the crust if they're alive, I don't know. But this was actually printed in a cookbook. And I thought that was so fucked up and Molly, so weird. Molly, this is what they do in Shrek 2 where they release the doves and then the dove is distracted <laughs> at how ugly Shrek is that he hits the wall. Also in the Shrek to video game where you're Fiona and you have to sing to explode the birds yeah. so that Little Red Riding Hood's grandmother can bake them into a pie. You have Probably to kill not. the birds with singing. 
a la well, the first Shrek where she accidentally kills a bird. If someone ever uh-huh. fucking gives me a pie uh-huh. with live birds in it and yeah. they fly out, that's not a funny surprise to me. That's a heart attack. Like, yeah. you die. And then on top of that, the birds are going to peck out your fucking nose? May I pitch you an alt on this? Oh, boy. It's that bird being British slang for woman. This is one of those cakes where yeah. a, a showgirl pops out of the top, <laughs> does a little dance for you. I like that. I happen to think that someone d- did that. Well, accidentally baking a woman into a cake. <laughs> they were like, oh, I forgot. The girl goes in after the cake is cooked. Also, I don't think you do that with a real cake. But that's a joke in something where they accidentally – maybe it's the critic? What? What is the – what is that joke I from? Know. I don't know. I'm sorry. There's a joke in something where it's a guy's bachelor party and they, they're like, and a woman's going to jump out of this cake. And then they oh, you'll actually just sound have accidentally murdered a woman. <laughs> What are those lighthearted, accidental murdered Oh, yeah, gags? yeah. Well, clearly all we're learning here is that murder is lighthearted and fun and rhyming and yeah. dancing around. But I'm just saying that is one acceptable way to have a bird pop out of a cake. Yes, that is Although, that is a good we're talking about pies. Yeah, and that's And cooking a... them. Although, then again, let me tell you right now. If you you let me pop out of a cake. You I... let me pop out of a cake. I'll, I'll get it cooking. Let me tell you right now. I'll get that party hot. So hot you'll peck your way out of crust. <laughs> Maybe they drug the bird, cook it Ooh. at a low temperature for a long time. Nope, you could never get it hot enough to successfully bake Maybe, it. Maybe, like, the birds are just, like, I, I don't even know. I don't know how they stay in there. I, I have no fucking idea. The birds get tiny space suits. I'll have to find this fucking cookbook because I'm so curious. If you know how the live birds go in the pie or, like, okay, I'd like to point out this could not be real. I'm trusting Wikipedia. Like, I, oh, I'm, that's I'm using Wikipedia. Yeah. So, but this is what they said. It at least it was a, a thought of these people at the time. It wasn't just made up for a creepy rhyme. Um, oh, wait. Okay, okay, hear me out. Okay. We bake, you know how a pie is pretty much just a crust, some goo with some fruit, mm-hmm. and then the top part, right? Yeah. What if they separately baked the top of the pie? And then put that on. Basically but, stuffed but, some birds in some goo. The birds are distracted pecking at the goo. fruit goo. Yeah. And then you put the top of the pie over them mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, find a way to like forcibly hold it down. This is horrible. I feel sad thinking about, about treating this, animals yeah, this like, way. It seems yeah. like there's so many – this is a dark one to me, like – it truly seems incredibly dark. You know, this is what it feels like when doves cry, Molly. Is, I, That's another I prince reference. That is. Yeah, okay, well, you didn't understand. Listen, you don't understand me. You don't understand the Foley artist formerly known as Prince. You just, I'll, I'll keep my prince references to myself and the audience. Thank oh, no. You. What? Oh, no. Were you lied to? Oh, no, I feel so bad. I called out the French because... Yeah? Um, Tell me it's because, the Germans. Because, no, the, the French... Was the, the okay? So the, this article uses the word entrement, which basically was the dessert thing I was talking about, which is a French thing, but yes. it was printed to be clear in an Italian cookbook. Oh, God damn it! I can't hate the Italians, Molly. Um, the only food I eat is Italian. It was to make pies so that birds may be alive in them and fly out when it is cut up. That's fascinating. Um, it, and this was referred to in a cookbook in 1725 by John Knott. Um, and, okay, but it was... Knott's Berry Farm? Wait, hold on, hold on. The Boysenberry Pie Festival. (gasps) There's birds in Knott's Berry Farm pies. Somebody call Mrs. Knott and tell her to stop baking her fucking boysenberry pies. She's been dead for a while. Somebody tell her to stop sticking fucking birds in my fucking pie while I'm at a goddamn theme park watching Jeremy Carter performing Ghost Town Alive. I gotta fucking call a cop. That's a lie. I'm not calling a cop. I'm calling someone who will actually do something. That's right. Me, Italian-American character, 
strictly anti-cop. How you doing? Hey, oh. There is, um, there, I do also remember where the French thing came from. Um, there is, uh, from the wedding of Marie de Medici and Henry the, uh, fourth of france their wedding supposedly had some weird parallel to this where like birds flew out from under the napkins or something like i don't know so that's where i got the french thing from all i can think about is the movie sorry i apologize to the entire nation of france for letting me go on this tangent no i think it's interesting that this reminds me only of the movie the incredible burt wonderstone where a man opens up a salt (laughs) shaker and a pigeon pops out of it and when steve Carell's like how did you do that he goes it's a partially deboned pigeon as if that would explain it and i've been thinking about that ever since i get why I, that, also, I remember that line actually. I was happy funny. they used like a CGI pigeon. It was very clearly fake, but like I was happy they didn't try to use a real bird because that would be terrifying. Anyway, um, are are we um, almost out of nursery rhymes here? We How are, many? We're getting close. We're actually nearing the end. We've been um, doing this for a I while. Have a, we have. Um, there, there's just so many. I could never tell you all the creepy ones. Sure. And please. Please share your favorite creepy, fucked up, or just – I like the weird ones too. Molly is uh, itching to rhymes. do more of these, I love I'm it. Sure. I could talk to you about nursery rhymes yeah, all day I'm long. sorry. You are the fucking Mad Hatter. I, I don't want to be a dick. I am. You're just – you're itching to I be – so There's so much to obsess about because why? why? My real pitch is to call Molly Mother Goose and have her like fight Batman. Like she has maybe like a giant mutated swan that's her henchman or yeah. maybe she has like the Bjork dress with the swan around her neck and like yeah. she sort of releases – fairy tale creatures at Batman. I'm just spitballing here. It's a little too close to the Queen of Fables from JLA and Wonder Woman, but you know, um, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So I will say this: there are a lot of songs that do seem to include animal abuse. Yeah, and yeah. so I'd like to raise awareness about those. That's part of this because I don't know why we're encouraging animal abuse, considering childhood killing of animals is considered like a sign of psychopathy. Yeah. Um. And so why is this a song? Ding dong bell. Ding dong bell, pussy's in the well. Who put her in? Little Johnny Green. Who pulled her out? Little Tommy Stout. What a naughty boy was that to try to drown the poor pussycat who ne'er did harm any, never, ne'er did him any harm, but killed all the mice in his father's barn. This is a song for children. Yeah. But a boy drowning a cat. Now, this is not the recommended version for it, but it's 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 wrong. It's wrong. There's they yeah. have like an updated version, but I'm not even gonna read it because it's not relevant because it's based in murder. Yeah. Um, I don't know if everybody's gonna find all this interesting, but I just think it's fucked up. Do you know about London Bridge? London. I mean, did the actual bridge fall down? No. So London Bridge is falling down. There's a lot of confusion about the origin. Something has some say it has to do with the Vikings My attacking. Fair lady. Sorry. So London Bridge is a weird one. Um and I I first put this on here without looking anything up, just because I thought the lyrics um London Bridge is were kind of weird. Falling down, falling down, London Bridge is falling down. My fair lady. What's the next one? Kicking knees up, step in time, step in time, step in time. Kicking knees up, step in time. Mary Poppins. Oh, the next one is take the keys and lock her up, lock her up, Whoa. lock her up. Take the keys and lock her up, my fair lady. So I kind of thought it was talking about the lady, so that's why I put it on here at first. But like, totally not. That's forget it. It's talking about locking the bridge up, I believe. But oh, but no, no. The the point of this song. Give the bridge female pronouns. Female pronouns. God damn it, Molly. I really fucked myself on that rhyme scheme. Go on. Not rhyme scheme. Uh, what do you call that? Rhythm? What's the word? 
Meter? I, I, I think meter is what you call it when it's a poem. I, Molly, please I'm not, interrupt I'm me. I'm not sure. Please interrupt you're... me. I'm flailing. <laughs> um, I'm so dying out here. Some people say it's about the history of this, like, Viking attack on the London Bridge where it was, like, supposed <laughs> wait, to be destroyed. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm bad at history. Yeah. That's clear. Vikings attacking okay, the London so, Bridge yes. feels a little... Olaf II of Norway. He <laughs> he really liked warm hugs, and he was coming for London Bridge. Um, so that's part of it, but who knows? There's another theory that this is a song referring to child sacrifice, um, because there was this um, urban legend type thing that the base of a bridge would need a human sacrifice otherwise the bridge would collapse no that's sound that's logic i'm a construct i do construction that's real so this reason also that i ended up putting the song on was after the locker up thing there was other lyrics in there that are creepy so it's they they're thinking about all the things we could do to build the bridge to stop it and it's like mold and clay will wash away we could build it up with silver and gold and they're like send uh, someone's gonna try and steal the gold so then they say well send a man to watch all night watch all night watch all night send a man to watch all it's night it's got kind of an old lady who swallowed a fly vibe right so then they it is. It is. It's a little bit of a hole in my bucket type of situation. Yeah, just like um, more solutions to all the problems. So then it's like, the well, what if the man will fall asleep? Fall asleep. Just when they fall say, asleep. well, give him a pipe so he can smoke all night, and then he'll be up the whole night. Um, <laughs> give the man some crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine. <laughs> give the man some crack cocaine, he'll sleep never. Molly, I'm writing much better nursery rhymes. You better get on this. I. You should. I like your rhymes. Thank you. Um, My rhymes are dope. There is no evidence to prove that I'm there are bodies Molly. at the bottom of the bridge. There are bodies the in the Great Wall of China, and I, if I had to pick uh, sort of a, a world power to fear, I, I would have picked um, Imperial Britain, mm-hmm. trying to colonize the world and kill people. I, I, I would fear them. Uh, so I, I wouldn't doubt if there were human bodies just buried in places. I mean, a place where you're fanatically loyal to sort of a... A monarchy, that that just spells will pave over yeah. a dead body if you die while you're working. Because that's a, supposedly what happened with the Great Wall of China. I hope that's not just a, a falsity that I'm spreading now by saying this. But supposedly there's like human remains in a lot of historical landmarks because if someone died while they were working, they would just keep going. And again, I don't know if that's true. But I feel like, you know, France is literally built on catacombs full of bones and shit. Yeah. Like all world powers are disturbing and scary and and. You got to question authority. So if somebody wants you to work on a bridge till you die, just say no. <laughs> I um, turned into Nancy Reagan. I think. You did I'm a sorry, little bit. Folks. But yeah, that one I just thought was creepy. And I, there's no substance to any of that, yeah. but the lyrics were weird. Do you think I did a good job playing Nancy Reagan and Lee Daniels the butler? Because <laughs> Alan Rickman and I got along on great. Like we, we got along really well on set. But I don't know if it comes through in the performance as Nancy Reagan that I did. No, it doesn't. Really? Really? Shit. I knew I, sh- I knew I should have asked for rewrites. Because I only had like ten lines in the movie, but I should have asked for rewrites. You live and you learn, Danny. You live and you learn. You're right. You're right. Um. All right. I'm going to bring this to an end with a, a simple one. Um. And then I'll just go through real fast my honorable mentions. But the yeah, last one it. is Oranges and Lemons. Now, Oranges and Lemons, not super popular. Is this like Cockney rhyming slang or something? Where they're like, apple and pears, you go up the stairs. Ooh, I can't do it. No. That was Australian. I do not have a clue what this is about. Guess what? Our buddy might have something to do with this as well. Our good old buddy. buddy, 
I work alone. Cardinal Wolsey. Son uh, of a bitch. Supposedly could have something to do with this one too. Uh, honestly, I'm sorry. I wish I could have gone through and told you all the ones he might have been involved in. Um, no, so this is a song, for those of you who don't know, it's a song about fucking bells. Like, okay, not fucking bells, bells. <laughs> um, oranges and lemons say the bells of St. Clemens. You owe me five far- yes. three farthings, says the bells of St. Martin's. When will you pay me, says the bells of Old Bailey. When I grow wit- rich, says the bells of Shore Ditch. When will that be, say the bells of Old Stepney. I do not know, says <sighs> the great bell of, at- this is at Bow. Molly. Now. This is a plot point in some movie or or something. I remember this. Yeah, what is it? I don't know, but hold on. Yeah, sorry. Because that's where I always knew the song to end. Yeah. Now, they play this song very creepily in It, Chapter 2. Okay, yeah. And I was like, damn, what a creepy song. Because that was always one of my favorites, and nobody knows this one. There is a last two lines that just got cut off on the children's CD, and rightfully so, but why are we still playing this song? Here comes a candle to light you to bed, and here comes a chopper to chop off your head. Chip, chop, chip, chop, the last man is dead. Mm -hmm. That's fucked up. Molly, I remember what I know it from, which is I had had to see uh, two performances Two nights in a row of a stage version mm-hmm. of the play, uh, the the theatrical adaptation of George Orwell's 1984, uh. and in that in that musical, uh, not musical, it wasn't a musical version where they're singing about you know, feed Julia to the rats, nothing like that. It was it was um <clears throat> it it was a just a stage play version of it, one of several stage adaptations. I believe this was the cheaper script for them to license, so yeah. it was the less good stage adaptation, not the like modern one with. Uh, the person from Harry Potter that made people puke when they saw it on Broadway. Mm-hmm. This was the older version. And, um, you know, it was a college, very low-budget theatrical production of this uh, show. Right. And they had an old woman who, like, rents the two – the two people are on the run from the law – and they want to start a new life away from the prying eyes of Big Brother. And right. so they are rented an apartment by an old woman. And this old woman in this production was played by – they seem to – they did like the Monty Python thing of like it's a it's a man in a purposefully unconvincing drag. So it's just like wrapping a scarf around a boy's head and putting him in a dress with like – you know, you can see yeah. his like ankles and – he walks around and he goes, oh, my. Like, that was the performance. But it's a it's a purely dramatic role in the show. It's not a comedy. It's 1984. It's about the oppressive thumb of the government. And, like, and it's – you. Just, they just – for whatever reason, the theater company doing this was like, oh, right, Mr. Governor. What, what? Like, it was really – ooh. Mm-hmm. And um, that nursery rhyme mm-hmm. is in the, the play as, like, kind of a plot point. Because this old woman, like somebody heard part of that nursery rhyme once and then they asked the old woman to perform it to them. So while you said it, I was hearing it in the voice of this college actor really hamming it up going, When will you pay me? Say the bell. So it was – and, <laughs> uh, and so I, I guess I have a somewhat negative association. With that? With the I have the rhyme. negative association because of it in it chapter two. Yes. It's creepy because they have a creepy child of co- uh, children's chorus singing it. Now, if anyone has figured out that nursery rhymes are fucked up, it's the horror industry. They definitely make use of it. Um, and, you know, in uh, The Conjuring 2, they use the crooked man – um, that one actually, its origin was like kind of nice. It's actually about like joining England and Scotland, but whatever. Um, so they, they really learned to play on the fact that nursery rhymes are inherently creepy and yeah. messed up. Um, so that was my last one that is actually creepy. 
Um, I do have some honorable mentions. I'll just run through. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, Little Jack Horner is just weird. For those of you who don't know, he is eating a Christmas pie. He puts in his thumb and pulls out a plum and said, what a good boy am I? And that's all I knew about it. And then, like, it turns out that there's these whole other verses about, like, the whole town of children are like, oh, my God, he's so great. Look at that plum on his thumb. I don't get it. <laughs> and he was born the day before Christmas, yeah. so he's special. Yeah. I, I, there's – I don't know. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Um, And I always pictured, like, him pulling out a full plum because that's definitely in so a, a book somewhere I've seen. Really weird drawings. Um, nine in the bed. There was nine in the bed, and the little one said, "Roll over, roll over." So, the so they all one, rolled over, yeah. and one fell out they all were... the way down until there was just the little one in the bed. And they're like, "I have it all to myself." What is happening? Are these people sleeping on the floor? Are they like really getting fed up and just leaving? Like yeah. that always confused me. I don't know about you. There was definitely some like VHS we had to watch in like preschool or something where they had an animated version of that or something, or maybe puppet like that. That. That one felt large in my childhood, even though it's a, I guess, a more obscure. Our mother used to sing that a lot because she was the little one. She's the youngest, and she liked that one. Yeah, which was discouraging to me as a middle child, and perhaps you as an older child, (laughs) as the as the eldest. (laughs) Definitely as our youngest brother's vibe, though, to end up with the big battle. Oh yeah, Um, hush, little baby. I don't like, um, because when I think about it, it's like kind of creepy that like this parent is like the father is like driving this child to be quiet hush little baby no don't it's say mo- a word. it's the mother it's hush little baby don't say a word uh mama's gonna buy you a it's mocking papa's bird. gonna buy you a i thought it was bird. mama hmm. either way i feel like it was because i know this from both childhood and um and there's a batman story where the villain is named Hush, and like I believe that, that this nursery rhyme is used throughout it, and I feel like it was Mama, but I, full disclosure, the villain of that story also tried to kill his father, so I think mm. he's not so big. I, he also later, you know, kills his mother yeah. in a different Batman story. That's Heart of Hush, I believe, by Paul Dini. That doesn't matter. Please continue. No, I don't think that one's like actually creepy, but like I could make a case for it. It's a little just like I understand that it's like they love this child so much that they would do anything. Yeah, to make they it don't stop like crying, want it to make a like, cry. It sounds like a really exhausted parent or a yeah. parent that's trying to keep, like, the kid quiet and bribe yeah. them. And if that diamond ring don't shine, mama's going to buy you a coal mine. I don't yeah, remember. I don't know. And then it's like, and if all that, like, you'll still be the sweetest baby yeah. in town. And it's like, okay. Or, like, you'll still be the sweetest baby in town. I don't know. I'm the coolest bitch in town. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin there's... Roberts is the coolest bitch in town. Can a bitch get a donut? Oh, can a bitch get a donut? Kevin Roberts got to second base with a lady. I'm confused. Who is Kevin Roberts? <laughs> Sorry, go Oh, on. great SNL bit. Yeah. Um, I So then my last two that I'll just mention briefly mm-hmm. is uh, they're kind of similar. A tisket, a tasket. These are just sad. A tisket, a tasket, a green and yellow basket. Uh, like, I don't remember exactly how it goes. Basically, this person writes a, lo- a letter for their sweetheart. And they drop it on the ground. It falls out of their basket. And uh, this little girl picks it up, puts it in her pocket, and walks away. Okay. And so, like, you've lost that, and that's sad. And then the other one is Lucy Lockett lost her pocket. Kitty Fisher found it, but not a penny was there in it. So, like, this only girl lost ribbon her- rounded? Yeah, yeah, only ribbon rounded. So she lost her purse, and all the money's gone. Yeah. And, like, those are just kind of sad. And I don't know why we're <laughs> singing them. And why are they so catchy? I, I don't know. I had one nursery rhyme that was creepy, but I've, I've forgotten it just a minute ago. What was the- what was the first one in this lightning round? Maybe it'll jog my um, The lightning round, the first one was the... the uh, oh, I remember. Okay. It's, um, 
it's also related to comic books because that's all I do with my life. I'm a failure of a man. There is – it's maybe not a nursery or maybe you just call it a song. But Solomon Grundy, have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it might be English. It's a Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, christened on a Tuesday, married on a Wednesday, took ill Thursday, died on a Friday – I, I've I've missed one because yeah. it's buried on a Sunday. This is the end of Solomon Grundy. And there's a DC Comics supervillain who's a, a gangster who gets murdered in the 30s and they bury his body in a swamp. But it turns out the swamp is like enchanted with like hoodoo magic or something like that. And it brings him back to life. And for whatever reason, he is like – he is based around that nursery rhyme. So his name is Solomon Grundy and he like knows that nursery rhyme for whatever reason. Crazy. But – um. Yeah, he's a scare. He's a villain character. He's part of the Legion of Doom and everything. But there is in Justice League, not injustice as in bad. Right. In the TV show Justice League, there's a very sweet story with Hawk Girl and Solomon Grundy in the episodes uh, The Terror Beyond, which mm. is a great little two part episode. And it's like weirdly sweet with Solomon Grundy. Mark Hamill voices Solomon Grundy. And, you know, he is kind of just like evil Hulk. He's just Grundy smash, you know. <laughs> but Mark Hamill does a really good job playing this like sweet story where he like becomes friends with Hawk Girl and he calls her Bird Nose, which is I believe what the Hulk used to call like Falcon or something. Like because Hulk has like simple names for Bird all the Avengers. Bird Nose. I'm a little <laughs> suspicious of birds and noses oh. after the sixpence <laughs> After the six Well – Fair enough, but you know, just because yeah. Hawkgirl has a pointy nose on her helmet. Anyway, so uh, Solomon Grundy, a nursery rhyme that I never encountered as a child yeah. before the superhero stuff. I actually only ever heard of this from you. It, yeah, it was apparently to like help children maybe learn like the sacraments or something because he's born on a Monday, christened uh. on a Tuesday, he gets married, he takes ill, which I guess is supposed to be like your last rites. Mm. Um, Maybe he goes to confession or something that I've forgotten. I don't remember. But, Interesting. Um, yeah, it was supposedly for that. And it's like all these DC Comics things treat this as a nursery rhyme that like any kid would know. But it's it's not. It's I've not. never heard it. Well, maybe, maybe it was at the time. Maybe I quit religious education too young. Well, a lot of these, a lot of the nursery rhymes, so they're either about like English kings and queens or they're about um, religion. Yeah. Or sometimes both because Henry. Here's you know. what I'm going to propose. Okay. You and I should write a new series of nursery rhymes okay. that are about more, let's say, classical subjects. Because you know, if you if you follow art history, Molly, the Renaissance, almost all the art is religious or of of monarchs, right? Mm -hmm. Because 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 the only thing the patrons would pay for, Molly, uh, on Leonardo da Vinci's Patreon page, the only thing they would commission from him was religious art because that was who had the money. Right. Was the churches? That's why you know the Last Supper is in this like monastery or whatever painted on a wall because the That's some monks asked money. him to do a religious right. picture. You know, that kind of That's thing, right? That's why money goes pop goes Louisa. And, <laughs> and the Mona Lisa didn't become famous until like the 1930s when it was stolen mm -hmm. because it was just a painting of a woman. It wasn't a big prominent painting. It's a small tiny painting because right. no one commissioned him to make that. It's just something he did for himself. Same thing with his drawings of anatomy and his notebooks that have now become famous like the Vitruvian Man. Those were uh, – I'm terrified that I said the Vitruvian Man wrong, but whatever. Uh, you know, the religious art is prominent at the time. But if you look deep into Renaissance art, there are some classical subjects, which is like Hercules defeating a lion, things based on uh, the multiple gods, the polytheistic religions of the Greek and Roman uh, empires. Those subjects are more obscure, but there were private people commissioning them. It's just mm -hmm. that the famous works of art that were well-preserved were in churches and stuff. Right. So I'm thinking you and I go for like classical subjects or fairy tales or something. You and I craft some new nursery rhymes and so do our listeners because 
we have new threats to warn against. We have mm-hmm. a new world yeah. to live in. Let's make up some new nursery rhymes and try we, to popularize them. It's interesting them. we haven't gotten new nursery rhymes. That they are all about these old-timey yeah. things. Like, do people just not do this anymore? Like, maybe this is more as taken the form of movies at this point and yeah. not these types of songs. Um, Special episodes of TV shows where the main character's little brother starts smoking and they tell him it's wrong. Uh, if, you're, if you like those, that is a future episode oh, of Pants Are Too Tight. And you're going to love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a good challenge. We should think of some new ones and uh, so I next, hope our listeners do too. Next week in if the place. made it this far. Oh yeah. It's a long one. Heaven help you. Um, next week, we will, we will, at the top of the show, after our usual warning about length or content, we will, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll read you some nursery rhymes that we've invented. And if you would like to send us a nursery rhyme, uh, you can send it to, um, the pants are too tight podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at the pants pod. Um, you can send it to us on Instagram. Yeah. I don't know, really. I mean, you could leave it as a comment on Instagram. But you, we can, you can send a DM on Instagram. Look, slide no DMs. Yeah. Send us a nursery rhyme. We'll get back to you. Or let me know whatever version of Around the Mole. I mean, damn it. I Pop goes the, Pop goes the Weasel. Pop Goes the Weasel. Let me know if you remember any of these or you know any other ones that I yeah. didn't mention. Um, I might know them already and I just didn't tell them. Um, and we might bond over that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you. If you got this far, kudos. It's a long yeah. one. Thank you for listening. Um, Hashtag bird pie. I hope you've had a fun time examining the horrors of your childhood. Um Lord knows we I had think a fun, that I we? would like to make my new nursery rhyme either I'll make one that's like really okay and very direct and then one that's like straight up creepy. Okay. I think I'll do I think I'll try to do like a really abstract metaphor. We'll yeah. we'll discuss it. We can do multiple we'll ones. Speak ones. Okay. Yeah, we usually waste a good fifteen minutes before we start talking. So we yeah. we've got time to read some nursery rhymes. That'll be good. And also if you remember any that you just liked from your childhood, I'd like to know those too. Because yeah. I, I am a nursery rhyme fan. Yeah, Molly is a, a Batman villain in the waiting. I am, but like this whole little project has kind of turned me against them. Like I, I don't think I'd want to see Well, sing Batman this to my is scared of bats. You don't have mm. to like the thing that drives you. I think mm. the Riddler likes Riddles. I just riddles. like the tune. I'll, I'll keep the tune and I'll, I'll pull a John Brown's baby. No, I'll do that, but like I'll make it to something that's not like weird. You yeah. know, like I'll just take that tune and make it something good. Sure. Anyway, this has been The Pants Are Too Tight. Oh, there has been a sale down at the shop right last week. Like you'll just pick <laughs> yeah, something pleasant. Exactly. I got 30 cans of soda for 20 cents each. And I really like the price better than the standard one. Also, I had a coupon too. <laughs> like they're just mundane yeah, things we're saying. Yeah, I like that. That's good. That's good on the fly. There's a sale down at ShopRite. Co-opting a song about ending slavery to be about something as mundane as consumerism. Glory, glory, <laughs> hallelujah. The soda was on sale. We ain't give them any hashtags for this one. Hashtag, hashtag bird pie. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag baker bird <laughs> no let's think of one really good hashtag um hashtag mother goose's d- rhymes of doom no um, too much i don't know if you think of a good hashtag <laughs> it's so tired it's like um hashtag the nursery rhymer no that's not a good you need i think mother goose is a decent name for your batman villain yeah, but no, maybe let's good. Um, I'm... as long as I'm not Goosey Goosey Gander, I don't want to be known for throwing people downstairs. <laughs> um, and hashtag cancel Jimmy Crackcorn. Oh yeah, cancel Jimmy Crackcorn. Uh, listen, thanks for listening. Um, yeah. Do we we need a sign off we, in the future? Well, we do. Oh, what oh, song we do we want to fade out on? Oh, let's fade out over Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. Really dramatic. Okay. Yeah, but like. Uh, maybe I'll...